Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. Our first one of the year 2022. Woo! Excited to be back. Happy New Year, everybody. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the THS boards here. On Long Island in New York, and as always, I will be uh, joined by my THS teammates, Mr. Joe Yurden up in Buffalo, Mr. Ted Bamford out in Chicago, and we're hoping to get Stevie on here today, down in Texas these days, and uh, Costa will be joining us next season, so that's official from there on out. We miss Costa, he's been very busy with work, so his schedule unfortunately is not allowing him to be part of the show this season, but possibly back with us next year and who knows maybe we'll get a couple sound bites from him at some point before the end of the season here there's lots going on here in the nhl so we're back at it folks really glad to be back here we'll try to keep doing this here on thursdays from here on out till the end of the season and while we've been away we we pause if you guys are just tuning in um you know as far as our last show and last time we were taping uh ths episodes we did it right before the holiday and pretty much Right, we've decided to take a pause when the NHL decided to pause. I mean, there wasn't any games going on. And, you know, between um, me, Tab, and Joe, and Steve, and Costa, we, we did all those shows during the COVID breaks and pauses and stuff. And at this point right now, it just felt, let's just wait. Let's just hang out. So um, we did that. And then the holidays, and we had a couple of weeks. Uh, let the Winter Classic, all that stuff uh, kind of wrapped up. And now we're uh, pretty much ready to get back here. Um in the seats behind the mics and start talking some puck. Uh, miss the guys, so I'm looking forward to catching up with them. And there's tons of stuff to talk about as far as once uh, we last were here. Um, the league is somewhat getting back to normal. I think all the postponements are, are pretty much done. Uh, granted, the uh, Canadian teams, they're playing at home up in Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg. I think Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa will start hosting games, I believe, at the end of the month. Uh, where they're going to be at capacity one way or the other, I think, is still um, limited um, as far as north of the border. Down here in the States, rocking and rolling. Everybody's in the stands. Uh, good turnouts here in uh, New York, uh, from what I can see, the Islander games and the Ranger games and, and most of all the uh, the teams here um, down south here in the States. Uh, fans are coming out. Fans are going to shows. So we're all a part of this train that we're on on the ride here as far as, you know, going forward, uh, you know, through the pandemic and the Omicron strain and, you know, positive cases and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm sure all of us, again, all respect everybody's been affected by and anybody gets sick. Um, and we wish everybody the best is always here in health. Um, and for the rest of us here, too, you know, just being fans and you know, the game that we love and hockey particularly, and we know it's uh, affected all sports and all forms of life uh, out there in the world. But as far as hockey is concerned, 
the league is rolling on. So um, no, post, no more postponed games. Obviously, at this point now, we know um, that they're not going to the Olympics, and it looks like somewhere around February 7th through the 22nd, which was when the NHL was going to the Olympics. Uh, I think they're going to be making up something like 95 uh, rescheduled games. So that's going to allow um, some of the other teams that uh, haven't gotten in. You know, a lot of teams are hitting the, the 38, 39, 40 game mark. I think the Sens and the Islanders, are they have the least amount of games, 32 games played so far. Um, and they all just started playing last week, especially the Islanders here locally. I think on the 13th it was and, and so on and so forth. So uh, a little catch up here going on. Uh, for those teams, but everybody else has uh, pretty much been rocking through everything else. And, you know, we have the new uh, COVID protocols from the league as far as the taxi squads and the, you know, NHL and the NHL Players Association all agreed on on how to move forward here. Um, you know, it's now it's five-day isolation for any positive uh, cases, which is a CDC thing now, too, pretty much normal across the states, too, uh, even personally now, instead of seven-day quarantine, five days Um Testing for the vaccinated players, which I believe every player except maybe one or two in the league are vaccinated now. Um, After the All-Star break here in Vegas on the 5th, uh, they won't be testing any players that are not symptomatic. So that'll be something something new that they're going to be doing here too. I believe they're still going to have to test as far as cross-border games, you know, going up into Canada uh, for travel purposes and all that other stuff. And then the league will continue to... Um, adjust and go as far as cases decline. It looks like everything's coming down as far as Omicron. I can only speak for what's going on down here in New York and across the rest of the states here, but especially in New York, uh, it looks like everything's flattening here and everything's coming down, and hopefully we can start turning the corner here. Um, the all-star, uh, all-star teams have been picked February 5th, like I said, in Vegas. Uh, coaches as well, too, uh, have all been selected. Um, the captains, as far as... Um, uh, the east here, it's going to be Ovechkin and Matthews. And then on the west side, it'll be McKinnon and McDavid. Uh, they've all been named the uh, the four captains for the teams. Uh, the last man standing, they've uh, last man in, I should say, have all been selected as well, too. Um, and you, I'm sure all you guys know who's in and who's out as far as the lineups and, and who's been um, who's been put in there. A um, couple of cool uh, things the other night. We'll get into it today. We'll talk about Chris Pronger's number 44, was retired in St. Louis. And um, up in, in Boston, Willie O'Ree, uh, number 22. Uh, great for him and his family. Uh, long overdue, but great to see Boston and the Bruins uh, retire his number. First African-American player to, um, or African, I should say African, I think, believe Willie is Canadian. I apologize there. But uh, um, first black player to play in the NHL. And, and, and Willie is a groundbreaker, and he's just a wonderful human being. And, um, a trailblazer here as well, and a great uh, spokesman for the game. And really happy for him and his family, and, and great to see the uh, the Boston Bruins do that. And we'll we'll get um, the guys' take on on that too, as well as uh, Chris Pronger, who's just a great player in the '90s and all that other stuff with some great teams, and um, you know, almost uh, you know the, that great championship there between uh, Edmonton and uh, Carolina there in 2006 when the Canes won. Um, so a lot of stuff we can talk to as far as those guys are concerned. Um, as well. The trading deadline's coming up on March 21st, so it'll be interesting. We'll get into that with the guys today, too, in terms of what they think, who may or may not, um, you know, make some moves as far as uh, where certain teams are at. Uh, be pretty interesting here. The, the season pretty much ends around the last weekend of April, which is around April 29th. 
So, uh, you know, the season extended here a little bit due to the COVID and the, the late start and, and everything else going on. So, uh, um, you know, we got a little over, um, close to two months here where the trading deadline. So we'll see uh, who's going to be uh, buyers and sellers and all that other stuff. And that's all great stuff that we'll be talking about in the episodes uh, moving forward here uh, on THS. Uh, some other news here. Kent Hughes gets the, uh, the GM nod in Montreal. Uh, for the Canadians, seems like it's a great pick. Uh, Jeff Gorton, obviously, uh, running hockey operations up there now, too. Guy I'm familiar with here running the Rangers. So I wish him and Kent Hughes uh, lots of luck. Kent Hughes is a Montreal native. Uh, he's their 18th uh, GM in team history. So it's an original six team, and it's a pretty honored position. Uh, they're taking over for uh, Bergeron and stuff. So they got a lot of work to do in Montreal down there in the bottom of the heap, uh, the bottom of the league there. Uh, it's been a tough, tough transition into this new season for the Habs since getting to the finals uh, last year as well. We also want to uh, make mention and condolences as the entire hockey world um, uh, expresses condolences to um, Teddy uh, Balkin, high school kid who uh, passed away there a week or so ago uh, in a terrible, uh, unfortunate accident on the ice. So uh, our hearts go out to him as the hockey community is very close, stays together and uh, it was great to see all the sticks out for, um, for Teddy and his family as well. A couple big injuries going around here. Uh, Kevin Hayes is out three to four weeks with his knee uh, for the Flyers. Flyers in a tough spot here, uh, losing something like almost nine in a row here uh, as a team franchise. What are they going to do with that team? I don't know how they're going to turn things around. Uh, Mike Yo taking over for uh, uh, Elaine Vigneault there. Um, and uh, the Flyers are just, uh, you know, that's just another blow to – uh, a tough season for them to to begin with. Carey Price is uh, in knee rehab, uh, working on his return uh, to get back to the team. And uh, some uh, Eichel news there. Uh, looks like now he's going to be about a month or two out in terms of getting back uh, on the ice, not only for him personally as a player, but um, with his new team, the Vegas Knights. And I'm sure uh, one way or the other it will be great for them to, um, you know, have him a part of the team. And who knows? Maybe they'll have him part of a playoff run. Be exciting. One way or the other, um, Jack Eichel getting back on the ice for himself personally, for the Knights, and for hockey too. Just another talented guy that hopefully we can get to see his skills back on the ice. All right, so quick rundown like I always do. Uh, like I said, it's been a while, been a, about a month here since we've been back on air. So uh, last night there were uh, three games. Uh, the Yotes beat the Devs. That doesn't help them out, but it also helps the Islanders out a little bit as they're going to be uh, – um, looking to climb back as much points as they can here in the Metro, and, and any Devils loss is good for the Islanders with the way they've been playing. Uh, winners of a couple couple in a row here and stuff, and I, I think they have the Yotes on Friday night too. Um, so a chance for them to maybe grab a couple of points. Great game last night at the Garden. Uh, me, you guys know I'm a Ranger fan, and that was my favorite win of the season. Uh, no disrespect to all you Leafs fans and out there, but uh, 6-3 at home. Uh, Reaver getting uh, two goals there. Fourth line just playing fantastic. Um, so Shesty looking good, Fox, everybody kind of contributing, but you know, they were down three, one, uh, the Rangers now having a great season on the Gallant, but out the, the, the big games, the big teams, the big guns, the Leafs have been playing really well, you know, top five in the league. So it was a great win for them last night for the Rangers. Uh, and they got the Canes this Friday, which is going to be another great test for them. So that's just going to be, uh, for the Rangers here is, um, you know, they've, they've kind of beat most of the teams they're supposed to, to beat and, and the challenge now for this team and Gallant uh, going forward is, is, is are they going to be continuing uh, through these final couple months here uh, to go to the playoffs? Can they play with the big boys in the rest of the league? And so far, so good. Great game on tap Friday with the Canes. It's going to be uh, a good matchup for them. And then on the other side of the Avs, have just been rolling pretty much over everybody recently. Another 2 nothing win last night against the Ducks for them. 
And they were all on as far as tonight's games. Nine games on the schedule. Thursday, Caps versus the Bruins. Stars at Sabres. Uh, Columbus rolls into Philadelphia. Sens will be playing the Pens. Jets are at the Preds. Panthers and Oilers going at it. Man, the Panthers. We're going to get into the Panthers today. No doubt about it. Uh, they've been playing so darn well. And the Oilers, man, unfortunately, didn't expect it. But pretty much a laughing stock uh, as far as that team and Man, but guys like Dreisaitl and McDavid on that team, and they just can't um, find a way. Uh, that's a that's a big test for them if they want to really continue to try and turn things around and, and be believers in themselves and not only show the rest of the league that, uh, you know, they, they have a, a stake in, in being one of the more elite teams in the league. Uh, but they they got a lot going on there. We'll get into that uh, as well with the Oilers today with the guys, uh, too. Avs back at it tonight against the Kings. Habs are in Vegas to play the Knights, and the Sharks round out uh, a game with the Kraken uh, this evening. As far as uh, the league itself, um, like I said, pretty much most of the teams now have played 35 games plus. Again, I mentioned the Isles and Sands with 32. Uh, just run down the top 16 right now as far as uh, best in the league, and that's Bolts at the top of 59 point points. Uh, Panthers there with 57 points. Rangers with 56 in third. Avs. Uh, fourth with 55 points. Canes with 54. You got the Caps with 53 points themselves. And then you got the Leafs, Pens, Blues, and the Preds, all at 51 points uh, in their respective seasons right now. The Knights at 48 points. The Wild at 47. Uh, great story. The Wild playing uh, this year, too. Um, uh, the Bruins, uh, 46 points hanging in there. Kings at 45. Ducks at 45. And Sharks at 45 to round out uh, the top 16 in the league. And, um, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of stories with all these different teams and this COVID season and the, and the protocols and the pause and the break and now the Olympics and everything else. You know, you get all of us as fans here right now can just, you know, cross our fingers and hope we get a nice, real consistent run here uh, over the next couple of weeks after the All-Star break. And, and really, hopefully, you know, everybody can come back as a league, as a fan base here and, and hopefully get this season uh, rolling and, and, and just cruising towards the playoffs. There's a lot of fun hockey left to be played. There's a lot of great storylines um, that are going to play out here over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline. The All-Star Game should be a blast in Vegas. should be a lot of fun. So lots of good things going on here uh, as far as the league, and, and we're just, gonna, like I said, going to cross our fingers and be positive and, and, and hopefully uh, uh, you know, the, the, this, the rest of this full season here uh, after playing a 56-game season last year, um, we'll get all all these teams and players involved and, and lots of great storylines uh, to talk about here at THS for all of us to enjoy here as hockey fans we move forward. Uh, quick look at the leaders in the league uh, since last we passed, uh, like I said, a couple of weeks um, since we've been on the air. Ovi now is uh, leading the, uh, the league in points with 55. Drysaddle right behind him with 54. And uh, McDavid and uh, Huberdu, Huberdu, however you want to say it, Huberdu, Ubi Doobie, as they call him down in Florida, I believe, too, at 53 points. Man, what a great team there in Florida. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of scoring going on. Uh, we'll get into that, too, more on the Panthers and, and all their firepower. Uh, Ovi leading the league now in goals, 27 scored. Drysaddle with 26 behind him. Uh, Matthews uh, in Toronto and Kreider in New York with 25 goals themselves. Um, back to Huberdu, uh leading the league in assists with uh, 38. Kadri with 36 in Colorado. And Foxy on the Rangers there with 35 helpers himself. Drysaddle leaving, leading the league, still in power play goals with 13. Kreider's got 12. He's right behind him. And just a quick look at the goalies here. You got Vasilevsky uh, even being out for a little bit, still leading the league in wins with 23. Um, 
Sabosin there uh, with 20, and then Anderson uh, with 20 wins as well. So, uh, and then shutouts, is, uh, Markstrom still holding down to his shutout lead there with five, and Campbell uh, with four himself there in Toronto. So, um, you know, that that's basically just the rundown where it is, and, you know, we're just getting back into the groove here. Uh, myself, uh, <laughs> primarily, too, uh, pressing the buttons, uh, running the board again, and, and, and just getting uh, all caught up with the league and stuff. Uh, as always, before we get going here, I want to thank all you guys for hanging in there with us and listening, subscribing. Uh, feedback, making sure you follow us uh, at That Hockey Show on Twitter. That's where all the guys' personal accounts are. And, again, if you can, subscribe. It helps us out a little bit as we want to keep THS going on, um, not only to the rest of the season but beyond. All right? So uh, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us here at THS. And we're excited to be back. It's a new year, uh, 2022. And, uh, you know, the Olympics are, are, are done. So we got a lot of hockey to look forward to here uh, in the next uh, couple of months, and, and again, I can't say enough. It's uh, you get that vibe, that feeling, and you know, uh, you know, all these games now are going to be huge. Uh, you know, going forward, as teams uh, start trying to position themselves to, you know, not only you know what kind of moves are the GMs going to make for the trading deadline, or uh, the teams that have been way down at the bottom of the league right now, are they going to be able to catch up? You know, there's going to be some injuries here, uh, one way or the other. Uh, teams are going to have to make adjustments. Can the Oilers turn things around? You know, can the can the Panthers keep crushing everybody? Will Pittsburgh continue to climb? Ovechkin's run at the records and stuff. Uh, a lot of great things to uh, to look forward to uh, in the NHL here, and especially to talk about here on THS. Well, that's enough of me. It's time to happily head on back up to the great city of Buffalo. Enjoy my. THS line, man. Always in the face-off. First time in 2022, Mr. Joe Yard. Joey, what's up, buddy? Welcome back to THS. Paulie, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be back with, with you and talking hockey and doing the thing. And it's so nice. It's 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 like a it's like a nice uh it's like a nice warm blanket being being thrown on me again here. It's good. <laughs> I'm not Thank calling you, you a friend. blanket. I'm just saying. I'm just saying the whole situation is like a blanket. You're, you know, cold I don't know. Maybe, maybe you are a blanket. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from you here. Now, am I, am I the blanket that you suffocate someone with, or am I the lioness blanket? <laughs> <laughs> you saying we we can drag you through the mud and we can do that? Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't want to do that either. I was, just, I was just saying. I was just saying. It's a. I don't want to get suffocated. I want to drag you through the mud. It's nice. It's nice. It's a warm comfort, Paul. Thank you, Joe. Feeling is mutual. Feeling is mutual. You're like a soft pillow to me. Yeah. I can rest my head on here and just, you know, <laughs> listen to your, your sweet, soothing voice. And we can talk about the puck and oh, sabers especially, too. Oh. All that other stuff. But, uh, I'm not going <laughs> to throw too much sabers at you. I, wanna, I want you to have a happy day today with me. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, we, do we have to do a lot of sabers? <laughs> no, we no, we don't. Do. We don't. We don't. First of all, out of the gate, Happy New Year, brother. We've uh, obviously been on a, a long break. We... We took a break when the NHL took a break, and then yeah, um, right. we all kind of figured we'd uh, we wait until till most of the teams get back. And I think I think the postponed games are officially done. Uh, the schedule seems to be uh, getting back into play here. Most of the teams getting back out. I think most of the Canadian teams, at least here on the Eastern Seaboard, will be getting back into their home buildings towards the end of this month. But uh, a lot's been going on. We'll get into all that stuff, Joe. But out of the gate, I want to ask you how. Has your own podcast maintenance day been going? And how's Noted Hockey going? 
Yeah, we. You know what? It's it's funny. You t- you give me some idle time, and I start my start our own podcast, which uh, which I'm doing on the Sabers. So if you want to hear more about the Sabers, you can come check out Maintenance Day. It's myself and Lance Lasowski from the Buffalo News, a couple of guys who have uh, been through the trenches, Paulie. The <laughs> which is where the Sabers live. They live in the trenches. Actually, they live in the gutter. Is where they live. It's not really the. It's not really the. We the us the media types. We're in the trenches. The team is in the gutter. So so we get down in the mud. We get down and dirty with it, and we we dig into a lot of what's going on, what's making the Sabers tick, which. Uh, which I think is an unsolved mystery to this point. So I, I don't know. Maybe we gotta we gotta get the spirit of Robert Stack going for the podcast for for that. So, uh, but go. it's good. Noted hockey still still kicking it, still doing, still writing on some stuff. It's uh, be nice if the team gave me a lot more to work with to write about. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So it's um, things are about to get a little bit more interesting because uh, the Sabres just called up Jack Quinn today to the taxi squad. He's got to play against Dallas. Hopefully he's a, he's going to stick around because he's playing unbelievably well in Rochester. So hopefully this will be something where he sticks around and gives us something to talk about the rest of the season. Good, man. I'm going to look forward to that. I'm, I'm going to push the Sabres towards the end of our discussion here today. And, and for all you folks out there who just heard, Joe, for all the Sabres stuff, look up Maintenance Day. It's a great podcast. And as yeah. always, follow Joe here on noted hockey as well what i want to do is just kind of get into some of the the news that's been going on since we've been away obviously um you know the the covid stuff shutting down the league uh they've, they've announced the new covid protocols uh the isolation after five days the testing uh looks like it's gonna only gonna be for guys who have symptoms uh after the all-star break i mean there's a lot coming up here joe the the olympic uh decision here as well too they're gonna make up you know uh, 95 games, I believe, somewhere between February uh, uh, 7th and the 20th, which would have been the the Olympic break. Um, you know, so this we can start there. Uh, obviously, they're going to work on some testing here with Canada and everything's going up there on the border and stuff. But um, I want to get your take there, and then we can kind of lead into the All-Star a little bit, the All-Star game here. And and uh, I also want to get your thoughts on Willie Pronger. I mean, Willie O'Ray and Chris Pronger's jersey's getting retired as well, too. So we got lots of stuff. I want to talk to you about the Panthers and, and the Rangers as well, too, before we even get to the Sabres. So so start there in terms of how you've kind of felt about everything that's panned out here with the league, getting the engine on all cylinders back here again, moving forward into 2022. Well, I got to say the, uh, the, the new COVID uh, protocols that they're doing uh, fall in line with what the CDC says to do you know five days take it easy but i think when it comes to the to the nhl guys though everybody's vaccinated i mean except for tyler bertuzzi i think i I don't think he's taken the shot yet so but he's he's his own man he's uh he's a sovereign citizen i guess that's that's the way we can put it with him but but with everybody else everybody's vaccinated so like they, they they're hooked up so i get i can get it like five days you know, as long as you're not infectious anymore, like then you're good to go. I mean, it still sucks to deal with. Like, let's let's not get it. Let's not get it twisted. Like you, you're, you know, depending on how hard it hits you, you know, your lung capacity is going to suck. You're going to feel tired a bunch like, you know, but these are these are guys that the in the peak physical condition. So I would imagine that teams, as long as they know their guys aren't aren't really dealing with it very hard, as long as they're good to go, they're good to go. Um, the, the thing I worry about with only testing, testing guys that aren't the, they won't test asymptomatic guys, which that 
bugs me a little bit because you can be asymptomatic and still be in fact, you know, and still give it to other guys. That's, that's the part of this that I don't like because, you know, listen, I, I know that the science is still kind of, you know, getting around on the Omicron variant, but Omicron will find you, man. Like it, it is no joke. People, you can, you can do everything possible to get yourself covered from that and you can still get it somehow. And that's, that's, that I think is, makes it a little bit tough with this new setup. But again, if you're, if you're vaccinated, it doesn't, I think like what 90, I want to say something like 90% of the time, it's not going to hit you as hard as if you're, if you're unvaccinated. So I think, you know, when you're trying to force things ahead and you're trying to trudge on, you're trying to get, keep things going. I get it. I understand. I still don't like it, but I, it's a little less egregious now than it say if they did this a year or two ago where they said, no, 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 we're just going to do it this way. Like, I don't know, guys, seems a little sketchy, seems a little weird, but in this world where they're saying we're playing an 82 game season, damn it. And that's it. Like, I get it. I get it. I, it's, but I mean, you know, it, some of the, some guys, you know, Hey, listen, they, they get it. They got, they got the cold symptoms for a couple of days and then they're good. Uh, and as long as they're not rapid testing positive, then they're fine as far as I'm concerned. But, um, but when you get, when you got some cases and, you know, I, I I'm not going to go full on bringing the Sabres into this, but like Dustin Tokarski tested positive three or four weeks ago, he's still out. So, I mean, some guys, they, they take this a lot harder than others. And I think that's, just something you got to be cognizant of. You can't just like make it a meat grinder league and just stuff guys back in the lineup. You got to be aware of how guys are, are handling this and how guys are dealing with it. So some guys it's going to, it's going to hit them harder than others. And you got to be well aware of that. I hope the medical staffs are on top of that. I imagine they are. Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, Joe, it is going to be a meat grinder kind of league going forward. I mean, it just kind of has to yeah. be. I mean, I look back, I look at it now, too. I mean, you look at us, all of us personally, right? So if you're vaccinated, not vaccinated, but let's say all of us who are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you move about, you do your daily routine, you either going to your job, you're spending your time around your friends, your family and stuff. If you take mm-hmm. a hockey team and an organization, the team itself, I mean, these guys now have been playing under these conditions for, you know, this is going on three years now. When you take the summer yeah. league, you take the half season last year. I mean, if there's any individuals who are actually walking the finest line as far as daily testing, staying around the same people, um, top-notch medical uh, conditions, all that stuff, it's mm-hmm. it's athletes and it's primarily, you know, with the NHL too, and this is the game we're talking about. So I think at some point too, Joe, I mean, there's a – I completely – get when certain guys it's dangerous out there who who might get affected by it more than others and i think like in life it's just that that's unfortunately going to pan out where the the Mm -hmm. majority is going to move forward here and you're going to just look out for those who who do get sicker and, and and need more care and they'll do that um but i think you know too as a business and a corporation and i think all of us just in life in general Everybody's trying to figure out a way to move forward. And I think bottom mm-hmm. line here is the, the the more the vaccination numbers go up and the tests go down, that's where everybody's got to trend and go forward. And I, like I said, I think, you know, you think about how many guys have gotten it, right? How many guys in their family have gotten it? Are they going to get mm-hmm. it again? And this, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's so frustrating to talk about it. And I don't want to spend too much time on the COVID thing because it is what it is. It's it's affected, uh, you know, the game that we love and in our lives and all that other stuff as, as well. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, now that we're coming back and we're bringing THS here and we're talking about it's, it's something we have to kind of look at. And the last thing I want to get your take on, too, or at least both of us can observe here, is the difference between what's going on down here in the States as opposed to what's going up primarily up in Ontario. You yeah. know, you look at the football games here. You look at, I mean, the Islanders and the Rangers, they sell out crowds, man. And it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've got the mask mandates, quote-unquote, but not everybody's not wearing masks and stuff, and it's not really being enforced. Right. And we're not really getting reports of thousands and thousands of people dropping like flies after these games. So I just mm-hmm. want to get your take there. But up in Ontario, different situation, limited capacity. Uh, games being pushed back further into the end, mm-hmm. of the, uh, end of the month here, too. So just want to throw that thing at you. Yeah, it's I think the com- comparisons are, are rough to make there because Canada's taking it serious, at least to, to a bigger degree than the states are, because the I mean, the numbers are, are horrible in in the United States. They're just horrible. I mean, but it's it's be, everybody's gotten so used to it that now it's just kind of like it just, you know, it glaze, you know, gl- our eyes glaze over. and We just are just kind of like, yeah, that's what it is. You know, people are still dropping dead. People are still, you know. You know, thousands are still getting infected. You know, I think the like the infection rate just here in Buffalo, Erie County, it's still over. It's almost 25 percent. Like, that's nuts. Like, that's crazy. I mean, to think like what a year ago, two years ago, things got to four percent. People are just like, shut it down. That's it. No more. We're, we got to stop this now. And now it's one out of every four persons getting it. And it's just kind of like, eh, well, what are you going to do? You know, like yeah. that's like the flu, I mean, baby. Yeah, it's yeah, I I listen, it's you know, but again, you know, like as long as you're vaccinated, you got your you're covered. You know, like you've you know, if you get a bad case of it, that stinks. Like that's awful. And uh, I mean, and the thing, you know, everybody worries about the long-term effects, which we're not going to find out for, you know, a long time now. So I you know, I mean, it's maybe maybe 10 years down the road, everybody who gets it, you run into some really bad problems, but nobody knows that right now, but can't go into a shell for 10 years. Can't, you know, it can't just sit around and go, Oh, well, let's see what happens. That, that ain't going to happen. You know, like people want to get back to normal like that. And that's, and it's from a person to person standpoint and a government standpoint and a, you know, a boss standpoint too. Like people just, man, enough already. Like we're, we're sick of getting cooped up or sick of doing that. I get the frustration from the, from the Ontario side of things, but you know, that's, that's been mismanaged very poorly in Ontario anyways, Thanks, Doug Ford. That's cool. Quebec's taking it very serious. Quebec used to be really bad, but now they've got it. They they take things ultra serious there now, which, hey, cool. That's that's good. You know, Western Canada, that's its own. That's its own whole other thing. That's it's the they're Texas middle, of Canada out there. You know, the Florida, out Kansas, there too. Or, uh, Florida, Canada, you know, so like, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot. But I. I don't know, man. We're all tired of this. Yes, I mean, we're we all exhausted by it. Like, I, yes. I was, I was such a, you know, bang the drum, like you got to shut everything down, guy. Before now, I'm just kind of like, man, can it just, can we just get over? Can we just everybody use your damn head and like let's just be smart about everything because, you know, it, it's it's enough already. Like we're just <laughs> we're just so tired of it at this point. We certainly are, and that's why you're a pillow or I'm a blanket or whatever we've talked about them getting into the segment here, so we're resting up. We're a warm, right. cozy fire. All right, let's get on the ice here. There's two teams that I want to talk to you about here, and uh, number one out of the gate is the Panthers, man. Um, you know, this is post-Coach Q, and um, I mean, just this team, at that point, you might have thought, uh-oh, what's going to happen? You know, who would do is that? Who would do? 
Hoobadoo. That's what they call him down there when he scores a goal. But uh, Hoobadoo, right. um, you know, he comes back. He gets healthy. This team is healthy now. They're playing damn well. Last 10 games, Joe, 56 goals. 56 goals scored, man. Insane. Yeah. Um, second in the league here. Tops here going back and forth with Tampa Bay. Uh, second in the division there with the Bolts. Uh, after 39 games, 26 Eight and five, and we got to make a point here too. As we come back to you know recording here at THS, uh, the Islanders and the Sens, uh, they both have thirty-two games each. I think that's the lowest, and so, and I think everybody's up around thirty-eight, thirty-nine. So we're pretty much kind of all close back together. But this Florida Panther team, man, has just rolled on, man, and they've had a couple of um, they've been on both sides of it in terms of they're playing really well. A couple of blowout losses themselves, lost their footing a little bit, but they really look like um. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's too wrong to say that they should be talked about as maybe a Stanley Cup favorite here. I absolutely believe they are. They're, they're to me right now at this point, they're a top five favorite for the Cup. Um, I think uh, the downside for them is that I think three of the other top five teams are also in the East. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think that's can't that, wait that, for the playoffs, baby. <laughs> oh man, it, uh, playoffs! I, listen, the East—it's crazy. The East playoffs are basically set right now. Like, I, I, I don't think. Unless things get really sideways, I don't really see how somebody who's out of the picture right now jumps into the fray. Like, I just don't. It's right now with the way and especially the way the teams are built. I just don't see how somebody's going to come out of the come out of the woods to do it unless some really crazy stuff happens. But I mean, you look at what Florida's doing and they're getting carried. It's a full team thing. Like, let's not get it. Let's not get it messed up. They got nine guys with 20 or more points. Nine dudes, 20 or more points. Unbelievable. Yeah. Huberto's got 53. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's that's OV McDavid territory. So, like, that's I mean, I love seeing it, you know, and Huberto is setting everybody up. I mean, he's got he's got almost 40 assists, but like they're getting goals from tons of like Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett's eighth of the team in scoring. He's got 16 goals. He's he's tied for most goals with uh, who Duclair Duclair, who everybody gave up on everywhere across the league. You know, like it's it's something else to see this to see this work for him. You know, Barkov's on the bench somewhere, hanging out too, just right. waiting for the playoffs you know, like, to come hey, back. <laughs> listen, if, hey, if I'm Joe Thornton, I'm like, go get him, boys. Go get me a cup. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> you know, bring me off the bench for for the power plays, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play. Actually, Joe, it there. might be better that Joe stays out of the lineup. <laughs> as far as you past know? history here, since he's left uh, San Jose here. <laughs> He's only played. He's only played 21 games this year. I mean, I you know I want to see Joe Thornton get a cup because he's the same age as I am. Like we were both born the same year. I root for guys that that I can say, hey, same year, man. Like go get it, dude. Like that's awesome. You know, because <laughs> for for a bit it was him and Marlo, and that was it. And then Marlo's Marlo's retired, so it's like, all right, Joey, go get go get you go get you some. Like it's time to time to get her done, pal. But um. But it's nice that you don't have to rely on Joe Thornton, like yeah. especially 42. You don't have to, you know, you're not forced to have him in your top six. You don't need him to do all this crazy stuff. Like you don't need him to score a ton of points. Like that, that's the perfect setup. You know, instead you're relying on Huberto. You're relying on Reinhardt. You're relying on Duclair and Barkov. And, you know, Aaron Ekblad's having a tremendous season on the blue line. Uh, Carter Verhage. Yep. Imagine if Tampa Bay kept Carter Verhage. Holy crap, man. Like, how good like lightning don't need to be any better but like how how much better would they be if they still had them like that's right. that's nuts and they're getting you know Mackenzie Weger might be one of the 
he might be like one of the more underappreciated D-men out there because he plays a really strong defensive game, but he's got 22 points too. Like, okay, man. Like, you know, and it's young dudes, you know, Anton Lundell's having a great season. You know, it's a dude that fell to them in the draft, like middle of the first round. Like, okay, cool. Thanks. We'll take him. Not bad. You know, Brandon Montour, they got from the Sabres having a really nice season. You yeah, know, he's, he's selling back it nice. big. It's, you know, everybody, like everybody they've, they've thrown out there is having like a, like a, just a, a great year. Gustav Forling, nobody expects that dude to score a ton of points. He's got 15. <laughs> like, okay, great. Like it's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And even like some of their tougher dudes, like, you know, Ryan Lomborg, 50 penalty minutes, but he's got 14 points. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like he's going to punch you out and he's going to score some, he's going to get you some points. And that it's the full it's the full schmear, man. Like it's they're they're putting it all out there, and you know what? Bob's having a great season. Well, I was going to say him and Knight has been a great balance there in the Nets too for these guys. Yeah, but but I mean, like after how bad Bob was the last year or two, like as soon as he yeah. signed that deal with Florida, he was just like people are like, oh my god, they're paying this guy forever. He better get it right. Well, nine twenty one save percentage now, man, pretty good, pretty good. Like that's <laughs> you know sixteen quality starts. Pretty good. Well, like, you mentioned it too, not- man. I mean, he's he's got a better group in front of him now than he's oh, yeah. probably ever had. I and mean, maybe you can you can go back and forth with the. I mean, look at the teams that he played with in Columbus all those years and stuff. You know, and they were always kind of in a build. You know, trying to get to the playoffs and everything else. You know, a lot of these Florida stars that have been with this team now for quite a few years are getting. They're becoming. You know, they're very, more more experienced right now and. You know, you talked about the additions of, um, you know, a couple of other guys here to the the, the, the D-Corps, which have really helped him. And I think more than anything else, you, you get to see Bobrovsky in, a, in an element with a powerhouse, a balanced powerhouse in front of him. And I also want to ask you, too, is with, with that kind of a team, these guys kind of growing up here together here, playing all the key addition stuff, and you look at Brunette taking over this team, do you think it's just he's... With the Panthers are lucky that he just seems to be. They're lucky they had this kind of guy to step in for a guy like Coach Quenville, or is it more of the team? Is it more of the team, or is it more of Brunet, or is it both? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I it, I think it's more team. I think it's you know sixty five thirty five team to coach. You know as far as it goes, but you know the coach has got to st- steer the ship, and Brunette Brunette's like an all time dude. Like there's are, there's are some guys in in the NHL that are just dudes, like they're just all time guys, and he's one of them because he is he's just such a like a level headed guy, very likable. Like you know, I, I imagine when he was on that staff when you know when when Q was there, he's probably the good cop. You know, like there's always a good cop bad cop sort yeah. of dynamic with with coaching staffs, and Brunette's definitely the good cop kind of guy, but like. When you've got a guy that's like a player's coach, you go to bat for that guy a little bit more when things get kind of down and dirty or serious because because you're like, man, I like that guy. I don't want to let him down. Like sometimes with a with a real, you know, you know, jerk coach, you'll be like, I was like, man, I got to show this guy. I got to prove this guy wrong. He thinks I stink. Well, I'll show him, you know, because it's because it's usually motivation by, you know, busting guys, busting guys balls and, and, you know, being a hard ass on him like. That that kind of thing works in a lot of places. Seems like to me, Brunette is like is just like the guy that you're like, man, I gotta I gotta do it for this guy. Like we're gonna do it for ourselves first, but like we're not letting that guy down. So that 
that to me is is a is a good way to do it. And honestly, Brunette, he just took all taking everything that that Q is doing and just saying like, all right, this is working. Let's let's stick with it. Like you don't have to do you don't have to change things up too much there. Like that's they were doing great while while Quenville was there. Why mess with it? Like it's working. It's, it's just keep. It's just a matter of like being able to to you know change the uh, the chess pieces out every now and again and having a feel for your goaltenders and you know Bob's making it easy. The rest of the team's making it really easy. Huberto's having an unbelievable season. It's everything's falling into place right there, and that's it's really impressive to see, especially when you know it, there's kind of a. I don't want to say like an island of misfit toys kind of thing because it's really not that setup. Because Duclair, you know, Duclair's proven himself to be a really good yeah. scorer yeah. the last few years, and you know, I, I know he's you know, he's bounced around of teams. You know, he was in the Rangers, he was in Arizona. You know, now he's in Florida, and people are just kind of like, well, what's going on with this guy? Like, he was I think in he's Ottawa. got a home now. I think he's got a great yeah, home. yeah. And, and like he's got guys that that trust him. You know, mm-hmm. like that's I think that's the bigger part. You don't have you know coaches trying to try to make him something that he's not. You know, instead, they're just leaning right into that. Like, this guy creates offense. Okay, cool. Let him go do it. Instead of worrying, like, well, you better back check. You know, I'm thinking of, like, torts dealing with him, you know, in, <laughs> in Columbus or, or the or the Rangers where it's just like, man, like, he's just like, geez, you better play some defense or else that's it. And it's like, well, I score goals, coach. Yeah, that's great. But, like, can you stop him? Like, I no, but like <laughs> I'll score you 20 or 30, though. Like, how's that sound? Like, you know, sometimes you just got to realize what you got. And I think the Panthers have been really good at doing that because as long as you lean into guys, you're going to do well. Because if you try to force guys to do stuff that they're not built to do, build your team better so that you don't have to worry about that as much. And they don't have to do that. Like that's, they've, you know, they, they've got a ton of really, you know, Barkov's one of the best two-way centers in the league. You know, Huberto's, Huberto's not a slouch defensively. Like he plays, he plays a ton of minutes. You know, Reinhardt's a really solid two-way guy. Know him very well. Like, you know, guys, guys here would bag on his defensive abilities. I'm like, he's actually not bad. Like, he, he can do things very well. Let just deal with it. You know, Lundell's a guy out of the Barkov mold. So, like, you know, Sam Bennett. Calgary gave up on Sam Bennett. Like, they figured he was washed. And now he, yeah. now he just scores goals there. So, like, I don't know, man. It's there's a lot of really good stories with Florida and I'm, you know, I'm pulling for them. I, I want to see them do really well because they haven't won a playoff series since they went to the cup final in 96. I think, I think they haven't won a playoff series since then, but it's been a while. Like, yeah. you know, they've been in the playoffs, but they, you know, they get bounced in the first round and ran into the devils a couple of times, you know, stuff happens, but like, this is a great story. Like this is, this is a super story building and I hope they can build on it. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about Brene here and you look at the, um, you know, wherever the top eight land here in the East here, you know, when you look at Brene and, and, and when the playoffs do come around and you look at the guys um, who are behind the benches for the other teams. Now, it's going to take a miracle and a lot of hard work for the Islanders to get back into the mix here. And I'm definitely yes. not counting them out yet, but they got a huge hill to climb. There's no doubt about it. But when you look over in Washington, you got a vet coach like Laviolette. We know Coop and the Bolts there is going to be there. Brenda Moore's got another powerhouse that he's building there in Carolina. And they really, we could spend another 20 minutes on that team as far as, it's similar in the way with Florida, I think, in terms of the potential's been there over the last couple of years. And they're just trying to get mm-hmm. a couple of pieces, whether it's Anderson in the pipes for them now, or it's yeah. uh, Tony D'Angelo just rounding out that defensive core form. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you, you have that going on there. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, and you got Sullivan and Pittsburgh, who's just, the Pens just aren't going anywhere as long as Sid mm-hmm. and, and Malkin and those guys are in there. So you look at the teams that might get in there and you look at a Florida team, if they get in, they're going to be in that mix. Brunei's going to be the odd man out as far as the experienced guy in the playoffs. And the other guy I want to talk about in the other team right now is my hometown team, obviously, is the Rangers. And you bring Gallant in mm-hmm. here and what he's done with this team. The turnover there and the turmoil that this team went through uh, the last two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just playing fantastic hockey. I mean, Adam Fox, to me, is just, he's just, it's like Brian Leach just a little shorter. And he's just unbelievable <laughs> out there. But Gallant's <laughs> taking this mix. Shesterkin mm-hmm. settling in here. I mean, Reeves last night, I mean, just a, a great, that was my favorite win for the team this year, coming back mm-hmm. against a stud team like the Leafs. Um, but they're showing a lot of great signs. It's not a perfect team, but everything that Gallant's been thrown at, everything that they've thrown at him this year, all the different challenges and stuff in the past, we're an inexperienced guy, no knock on Quinn, but you can see how Gallant handled things a little differently. You can definitely mm-hmm. see the difference in the coaching style, how, he, how he's managing his ice time between his players. And I love how he handles the press. I love his passion on the bench. He's got this mm-hmm. really, he's got this great Tortorella side, but he's also got this really down-to-earth Vigneault quiet type. He's a great mix. He's been mm-hmm. there. And I think, Joe, too, there's a, there's a, a different fire in Gallant's eyes that I've never seen before, that he sees an opportunity here with this team to get him, you know, where he's, he's gotten to the finals and mm-hmm. um, with a with a pretty you know talented team, they weren't experienced as a franchise. But this Ranger team is kind of really looking really good. The Friday night against the Canes is going to be a huge test. I'll throw it back to you now, Joe, and just get your take on how Gallant has molded all these guys who've signed the long term contracts. Guys like Zibanejad and Fox and Kreider, <laughs> they've they've bought into the organization, bought into Drury, bought into all the changes, and they're not going anywhere. Um, so what's your take here on the Rangers? I, you know, I'm a big Turk fan. I love Gallant. He's, uh, he's just a, seems like a really like kind of quiet guy. Like I just remember him doing, you know, some of the press scrums in the past with, you know, whether it was Vegas or Florida and he's just kind of like a, just a kind of a nonchalant sort of guy. He's just kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, that we did that and we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to move ahead with this. I'm like, okay. Cool. Like very, you know, very down to earth, very, very, you know, kind of a logical sort of guy. And he seems like a guy that when he's running the room, if you're if you're on his good side, man, he's going to trust you with everything. Like he will put you in every good situation that you need to be in. And if you don't buy in, you're going to be gone. Like that's straight up. You're going to you're either not playing or you're just going to be out of town like that. But guys don't want to be on his bad side. Like he's got the kind of demeanor where it's like, yeah, no, let's go to bat for this guy. Let's, let's go. And everybody's buying in the, in the Rangers right now. I mean, yeah, Shesterkin's having an incredible season and he's got, he's got to stay healthy. You know, I know Georgie's a nice backup, but I don't want him. I don't want him shouldering a lot of the low. That role's kind of that, that Georgie came in as the backup there when Shesty went Mm -hmm. down. And I think he handled it better than he's handled it in the past. So it's, yes. it's almost like, I think mentally, maybe for Georgiev, he knows he's not the number one. He knows he's not going to be the number one. And I think mm-hmm. he's settling into this role. I mean, he's got a two-year contract, so he finishes out this year and next year or whatever. He's young enough. He's going to be a good mm-hmm. prospect, one or the other. But I think that's helped too, Joe, as far as yeah. that position, the Nets being stabilized and Georgiev knowing his role now. Yeah, and I, I, I think in the past where it was more, you know, when they when they brought Igor over, 
and it was kind of a competition sort of thing. So I think there was a little bit of that stress. Yeah, you know, because right because uh, all these guys are competitive. They all want they all want the net all the time. Like that's that's just natural. But like once it gets sorted out, and it's like no, Igor's our guy, and you know maybe that's maybe that's Gallant saying like no, he's our guy. Just you know we need you to be ready in the backup role because. You know, if he gets banged up, you got to go or, you know, he needs a night. You got to go like you got to be ready to play uh, instead of having it, you know, dangling the carrot and saying, like, I don't know. I don't know, Alexander. Maybe you're going to be the number one guy here. And then like constantly pulling the rug out from under him being like, no, it's actually Igor. Sorry. You know, like that being straight with guys really helps. Yeah, like, that's 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 the important like, guys. You know, guys don't want to get jerked around like they just they just give it to him straight and just and deal. But I look the way I look at the way the Rangers are kind of built right now. What gives me pause is that they're a little top heavy uh, when it comes to scoring. Like, you know, Fox, at least it's top heavy with guys that play tons of minutes. You know, like Fox leading the team in scoring. Great. He plays 25 minutes a game. Like that's that's perfect. Panarin. Great. He should play 20 minutes a game. He should be their top scoring forward. You know, as a banana He's paid to be the number one center now. Like he's he's the guy like he better be. He better be driving the bus. You know, Kreider's having an unreal season. Kreider, Kreider could score. He might sniff 50 this year. Yeah, he's on pace. Like, uh, Kreider's been that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's Kreider's been so damn good. I don't know why he doesn't have the C on his jersey yet, but like that's that's it's a whole other thing. I understand, but like put the C on him already. Like for crying out loud, I don't know what the hell. I don't know what else he has to do. And even a guy like Ryan Strome, I think they want to get him through a whole season without an injury first. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> there is that too. But like even like Ryan Strome, who people have been trying to trade off the Rangers for the last three or four years, all he does is get points. I mean, it helps to be kind of handcuffed to Panarin, and Panarin loves him, so like that's good. But he still does it. He still gets stuff done. Like he's still one of their top producers. Like you can't trade a guy that's getting you that many points and helps your helps your top forward go. Like you just can't do that. But like it's. But even still, like the role player guys, you know, like Goudreau has been a great addition to them. He's got to stay healthy like mm-hmm. that. That dude does a lot of work, you know, the, a lot of the dirty work for them. But like keep him healthy, man, because he you get to the playoffs with that guy. He's going to pick up a lot of the slack when things get tighter in those games. He's the guy that really shows up. He's shown that with Tampa. Like he just he just knows how to jump in there. But, um, you know, Truba has been solid. Like you just can't ask for a lot more from him. I mean, he's, he's more, he's been more of a defensive defenseman, yeah, but like, and I still getting his role, points. Yeah. Role suits him too. He, I, he reminds me more now of a guy like Boogaboom. I mean, he's got a little more offensive skills, yeah. but him and, you know, Keandre on that, the, on that pair, you know, they're playing against the top lines, which is great. You got that big size. Um, and, and I don't think those two are really counting off scoring goals and that's Foxy's that's his business. You know, Lindgren's been playing great. And I think even uh, how Gallant's been using the taxi squad as far as the defensive thing, bringing Schneider in and, and Nemeth, mm-hmm. you know, all these other guys getting into the lineup. Nemeth, he even had Greco in the lineup the other night. Actually, actually a good yeah. game, you know. So that's that's just been another great part of it, too. But I think, you're, I think you know, getting back to Truba, I think he's really settled in. I, I actually would lean more towards Truba being a captain. But you could go either way with Kreider. I don't think either of them are a bad choice. Yeah, and you know, Truba, you mentioned Bukaboom, and I can't. Anytime I think of Jeff Bukaboom, I just think of a guy who just lays out the nastiest hits. Like yeah. does he does all that nasty work? I see a mix of because Truba can Truba can really hammer guys. Like he's he's very strong. 
but I see a, him being a mix of Kevin Lowe and Buka Boom. You know, if we were just going to reference 94 Rangers here, yeah. I see him as like a, a nice hybrid between those two guys because Kevin Lowe was so good with the puck yep. and he was, he was able to help set guys up. He wasn't a big scorer, but like he did his job, you know, Ke- you don't get to the hall. I mean, it helps to play for the Edmonton Oilers in the eighties <laughs> to get to the hall of fame. Yeah. Like that's going to help your numbers look good. But like, he was very key to that Rangers team in 94. Like he was, and he was a big part of that Rangers during the early nineties, you know, early, early mid nineties when they were, you know, doing really well. And he's just, you know, like that's, that kind of play is necessary. You need your support defenseman to play that kind of game. And, you know, Hey, you mentioned Keandre. Keandre has been really good, you know, for a kid, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm getting choked up about Keandre Miller. Um, <laughs> But I mean, like a kid getting thrown into that role. I mean, he's 22. Like he's just—he's really getting his start on All his NHL career. He's been steady. He's been steady. He's been good. Yeah, I mean, look, Joe. The big thing for me as a Ranger fan and watching this team over the last couple of years, and again, no disrespect to Quinn. You know, Quinn was—you know—he's—he was a young guy. He's a, a new coach. I mean, he's the whole thing. And, and look at the last two years with COVID. Now, how do you coach through that when you're a first-time coach in the NHL? You try it first, and then you know, look in the mirror, or whatever. Yeah. But with these Rangers, and then talking about these other teams like the Bolts and under the coaches like Laviolette and uh, Brindamore, and even Brun- Brunette here taking over after Coach Q, and you can look at the Leafs last night too. Look, the Leafs put a lot of rubber on Shesterkin last night, and he just stood mm-hmm. up and made some great saves, and the Rangers just took advantage of all their opportunities. But it's system. Gallant's mm-hmm. got a system, and he's working guys in and out, just like every other coach in the league here now through COVID protocols and everything else. But there's definitely... The Rangers have a system. There's a pattern here. There's set lines. He adjusts every now and again. But for the most part, which this Ranger team hasn't been able to do or hasn't seen it or it wasn't tried for multiple reasons, there's a system in place. And it starts, like I said, with Shesty and Nett covering things there and moving out the defense and everything else. And and we've all, the Rangers have had this long pool of, of defensive talent in their core in the system. We're starting to get to mm-hmm. see it. Um, and who knows, you know, if they don't get to the finish line this year, free agency, all that stuff, it could be some pieces that can come in here to, to maybe what you were talking about before where they're top-heavy, where they can get some more balance and some a little more additional scoring in the lineup here too. But I think that's huge, and I think that's huge for any successful team, and it usually takes an experienced coach to do that and everybody being healthy um, as well. But a system is huge, and maybe we can kind of yeah. blend into the Sabres here just a little bit. Um but I want to get your ta- your take there on, on, on the importance of a coach running a system and being able to do that, um, and then you can take your wins and losses one way or the other. But if it's on the merits of the fact that it's, especially for me as a fan, I think most Ranger fans would say there's more consistency than we've ever seen here this year in a short span, less than 40 games, than we did with Quinn. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no doubt they're, they're way more consistent. And, you know, I, I think that comes with some of these younger guys getting older and more experienced, too. You know, guys like Heedle, um, you know, even Kako and Lafreniere, like they, you know, they haven't popped off offensively yet, but like they're, st- you know, they're still getting their feels for it. They're still getting a little bit better. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's certain buttons you can't force, you know, Ryan Lindgren, I, I didn't even mention Lindgren with the defenseman. That's a dude that's really grown up into that role. Like he's, you talk about a straight up defensive defenseman. That's the guy I think of as a Buka boom, straight up, just straight up a Buka boom type. Because that dude is, he hits people hard. He plays very strong defensively. Dependable. You know, uh, you know yeah, yeah, dependable. So absolutely. dependable, yeah. So, like, you know, the, you, you've got that. But, like, 
with the system with the system they're running and with Turk being able to pull the right strings, you know, to get guys rest, to get guys, you know, here and there, you know, to get guys in the lineup, get them involved. Because you want different guys to get a taste of it. You want different guys to get involved during the year. To be able to do that the right way and to keep guys happy, because that's it's a big part of it too. Like if you're winning, you everybody wants everybody wants a piece when you're winning and when you're doing well. Um but like he, you know, you have the certain guys that you keep in there that are going to play no matter what. Uh, but if you can fill in and like cycle guys in and out just to get, you know, get them a game or two here or there, keep them involved, keep them ready. That does a, that does a world of good too because you know you're going to need them at some point. You know, every, you're not going to be a hundred percent healthy all year. Like that's just that's a pipe dream. Um, and it's certainly not going to be the case in the playoffs. Guys are, you know, guys are going to get banged up. Guys are going to be trying to play through stuff. And you just need guys ready. You just need guys knowing what to do. And you only learn so much in practice, like, you know, practice gets it, you know, refines everything, but you need that game speed ability to be able to jump into that. You know what? And, you know, that's where I give Galan a lot of credit. I mean, he, I think about that Vegas team that they took to the finals, they had a ton of guys coming, going in and out of the lineup. Like they, they, it's, it's just the way it was, but you know, goaltending, especially because guys kept getting hurt. They went through like three, you know, four or five goalies that year. Like that was that's nuts that they were able to yeah. do it. Now it helps to have, you know, Mark Andre Fleur, or no, sorry. They have Flurry. Yeah, they have Flurry. Yeah, no, yeah, they have yeah. Flurry. He was there from the start, right? Um, so I mean, it helps to have him at the top of the at the top of the food chain. But like, how are the Rangers any different there? You know, Igor, Igor's the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and even when they've had to spell in, you know, you know, Kincaid gets a game, he plays really well. Mm-hmm. You know, Georgie's been really solid as a backup. Like, you know, you deal with it, you move. And the Rangers are really good at doing that right now. And you, you mentioned, like, if they can't get it done this year, which, you know, I mean, hey, it's possible. Hey, hey anything can happen. It's playoffs. Crazy stuff happens. But, like, if Lafreniere and Kako take a step after the season or they, you know, they get better after, you know, during this season, you, you can, I mean, you're looking it. at a team yeah. that's going to be loaded. Like yeah. they're going to be absolutely stacked. So like it's a, they're in a really good place right now, especially because the last like what, two, three years have been like, I don't know, maybe they'll come around, you know, maybe, you know, maybe these guys will step up, maybe they'll do something, but now they're here and they're producing and that's, that's, they couldn't be working any better. Yeah. And I, and uh, a tip of the cap, I think to, uh, you know, Gordon, he's up in Montreal now, but, those two-year deals he gave to Georgiev and Strom, because mm-hmm. you know I think that allows the team the, the breathing room here, and, and I think it also puts guys like Georgiev and Strom in a situation why they're playing so well too, because they want to raise their stock for themselves, and I think that's a mm-hmm. win-win for the Rangers because their performance on the ice is not only going to help the team within this two-year period, but it's also going to help those two guys individually as far as if if and when they do move on. One way or the other. Uh, you look at Heedle's deal, and and then you, you, you that, I think that was, I would think maybe made with the premonition that hopefully guys like Kako and Lafreniere, Lafreniere are going to eventually move up, up into those slots, and Heedle's going to take a bigger role. And then, like I said, they'll have some room one way or the other, hopefully to bring in a veteran here to help out with some face-offs and all that other stuff and, and, and to jack up things a little bit. And the scary thing, too, is he hasn't started lighting it up yet, and Panarin's, that gun's loaded and once mm-hmm. that thing starts firing again, uh, that's something, too, that the team has to look forward. I think, you know, what you talked about with the Panthers before, uh, the Rangers are pretty much very balanced right now. A little top-heavy, like you said, but, man, mm-hmm. when the fourth line kicks in there last night and, and on different nights, different games, you're getting guys putting the pucks in the net because I think, again, it's the system. Gallant has all of them involved here, and mm-hmm. you can look on the score sheet for the Rangers for the last month. There's a lot of guys on those on those score sheets, you know, so it's looking yeah. pretty good. Joel, two, you, uh, no- go ahead. Sorry. As I say, you know what the crazy part is? I need Panarin to shoot more. 
<laughs> like he's got 10 goals, but like he is, he's not shooting a lot. Like he's, I'm looking at his numbers right now. He's got 82 shots. Like that's, there's one, one, two, three, three guys with more shots than him right now. And what one of them's a defenseman. So like if he gets, if he gets the shooting itch back, like he's shooting, shooting 12%, which I think is probably in line with his career. I don't know, man, start throwing some more yeah. pucks in the net. You'll score more, but like he's setting everybody up. So who cares? You know, well, like who knows? Great. It might be part of the plan, man. It might be part <laughs> of the plan. It's like it's like uh, in the movie uh, The Incredibles when the kid, the kid who could run fast at the end of the uh, the movie there, and he's he's mm-hmm. in a relay race. And his parents are yelling, <laughs> "No, not no! Don't go so fast! Come back! Come back!" And maybe just like because I know Gallant must have somebody said to Truba, "Go out there and start laying the body like you've never laid the body before," because he's never hit mm-hmm. people like he has this year. And and who yeah. knows? Maybe the Panarin here is, like I said, it's going to happen, I think, it, and that's the scary thing, too. Joe, last couple of things real quick before I let you go, um, and uh, and I want to get too much into the Sabres. I want all you guys out there to definitely tune into Joe's podcast, Maintenance Day, um, for all things Sabres here, no doubt about it. But um, uh, your, your quick take on um, Chris Pronger's jersey getting retired, and um, you know, kudos to uh, the Bruins there, Willie O'Reilly, uh, his number mm-hmm. 22 getting raised to the Raffers, too. Uh, obviously, first African African American player, um, you know, in the NHL, and there's so many great uh, players of color in the league these days, mm-hmm. and it's it's so awesome to see, and it's I think it's way long overdue. Um, but just your know, quick take on those two guys, here real quick. Yeah, Willie Willie O'Ree, man, he I I, I got to watch the uh, there's a documentary called The Color of Hockey, uh, and they did a they did a screening here in Buffalo a few years back. And uh, Tony McKegney and Val James were were there to like you know do a Q and A afterwards with uh, with the filmmaker as well. And when you hear guys like Val James and and Tony McKegney, you know McKegney was McKegney was a big time scorer in the early '80s in Buffalo. Like that dude, that dude's really underappreciated as far as how good he was uh, for 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 a good time of his career. And you know Val James first you know first um, uh, Black American uh, NHLer. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, Val, Val told some stories about you know, he was coming up through the minors and the AHL and, and some of these other leagues. And the, the stories would just make you sick to your stomach. You know, the stuff he's heard, the stuff he dealt with and all that. And the fact that he was able to come up and be a part of the, be, be in the NHL for, for a time with, with the Sabres and for a long time with Rochester as well. Like that dude, like those, those guys have seen some stuff and they've been through a lot of stuff, but like Willie O'Ree was, was the guy who carved the path. And they all have incredible stories about meeting Willie and talking to Willie. And Willie's been such an ambassador for the game his entire life. Like it's, and the fact that he's just getting his number retired now in Boston, it's, it's great to see, but I, it's, I get frustrated because like, this is a guy who's, who should have been appreciated from the very beginning. Like, like you should grow up here and about Willie O'Ree when it comes to high, it's, you know, it's Jackie Robinson. Like it's the same story, you know, Jackie Robinson, Larry Doby, like those guys, you need to hear about Willie O'Ree. Like you got to hear about when you start getting into hockey, you got to hear about Gordie Howe. You got to hear about Wayne Gretzky and you got to hear about Willie O'Ree. Like those, those are the main three, you know, Bobby Orr, throw him in there. Mario Lemieux, put him in there too. But like Willie O'Ree has got to be first and foremost discussed about like what, he had to do to get through into the game and how he was a really good player. He was a really good player. And he did a lot of that with like, with only sight out of one of his eyes. Like that's, that's the other part of it. Like he took a, I think Tony McKegney told the story. I think he took a high stick 
pretty early in his career that hit yeah. him in the eye and he almost lost his eye. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like it's it, it, and the fact that he was, he was still able to play and play at like a very high level with mm-hmm. one eye is crazy. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's an, it, that's an unbelievable story. So it it's so good to see him get, to get appreciated now. Like, you know, he's in his eighties and you know, you know, it, it's so nice to see that everybody started to really appreciate what he's about. Um, I love to see that. I, I, Willie, I, it, if you're a, an NHL fan or a hockey fan, if you know about Willie O'Ree, you love Willie O'Ree because everything about him, he's just the nicest guy, like the absolute nicest human on earth. Mm-hmm. He's just an incredible guy. Um, and you know, it, to, to, to try to transition from Willie O'Ree to Chris Pronger, Chris it's a little Pronger. difficult. It's a little Keep different. Keep your head up. <laughs> no, it, Pronger, I can give Pronger Pronger's like I I think of him in wrestling terms where like if there's a heel wrestler that you just like he makes your blood boil and you're just like man I hate that guy I just can't stand him that was Pronger and you and you do it because he he was so good at what he did and Pronger for as much as as he was a villain for for anybody that went up against him he was so good he was so I mean he He's the real reason why Edmonton gets to the to the cup final in 06. Like that's it's him. Yeah. Like Pronger made that happen. He dragged that team. Which is why I'm curious. The Blues retired his number. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I mean, he played what, 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 one, two years in Edmonton, maybe Uh, like, okay, fine. Like he went to the Ducks the next year. Hey, look, the Ducks won the Stanley Cup immediately. Like, okay, that makes sense. Like that's that's exactly (laughs) what should happen. But like. His years in St. Louis, him and Al McKinnis, Jesus, playing against those, you got those guys thirty minutes every night. Like yeah. you got to, you got to go against. Like good luck. I mean, and the only reason the Blues didn't have any success, you know, like cup success in those years, is because they had Detroit and Colorado and Dallas to deal with. Like the West was so stacked in the in the the mid late nineties uh, that you know in the early two thousands that it was impossible to get through. Like if you beat one of those teams early in the playoffs, it's like, wow, I feel like I already won the Stanley cup. And it's like, Oh, we got to play one of the other teams in the next round. Like, great. Thanks. Like, you know, (laughs) it's, it's just you for every good thing that you could have done, you just got it slapped in the face the next round because you know, it's like, Hey, we beat Eiserman Fedorov. We beat those guys. Cool. Oh, now we got Sackick and Forsberg and and them neat. Or, you know, you get, you you get past Colorado. It's like, Oh, great. Cool. Oh, Oh, Mike Madonna. And, and Joe Good Newendike days, and the brother. stars are waiting for me. Like, great. Ed Belfour's in that. Great. Awesome. Like, it's like it, it's all that stuff. And like, Saint, I mean, listen, St. Louis, Detroit played one of the all time greatest playoff series in in the like in modern times when it was a seven game series. That's the one where Iserman scores the winner on John Casey, the slap shot in overtime. After a Gretzky turnover of of all people, <laughs> Gretzky Gretzky hands the puck off, and then the Red Wings just come you know, turn it back up ice and Eiserman gets two steps inside the blue line and rips a, you know, shoulder high slap shot. Maybe one of the fastest shots I've ever seen in my life. And that, you know, that beats St. Louis in games. That's game seven. Like that's yeah. game seven OT goal. Like that's crazy. But that whole series was nuts. Yep. That whole series was so tight and it was Prager and McKinnis who really drove the bus there. Like Gretzky got all the attention because, you know, they, they traded for him, the whole thing. But Pronger and McKinnis were the guys that made it go. And Pronger was the guy that was in everybody's business. And he was just like, Pronger was so damn good. And I hated the way his career ended 
where you know he gets a puck in the face in Philly and his eye, you know his vision gets all screwed up and he was just done like that was it yeah and it was like that dude would have played another five years I'm convinced he would have played till he was he would have been like Chelios he would have yeah. played till he was 45 and just hammering people his whole life yeah but he was just so good. He, I, I hated, I hated him so much back in the day. But I, I, looking back on him, I absolutely love, I absolutely love the guy, love the player. And he's, you know what? When the, in a boring, NHL is a boring interview league. Pronger was never boring as an yeah. interview. Yeah. If you talk to Pronger, Tikkanen was great too. Oh yeah, yeah. Tikkanen was, was super too. But like Tikkanen would speak one of seven languages. Exactly. You yeah. like, couldn't understand what he said, but he was fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but with Pronger though, like you couldn't, you couldn't be, you couldn't be slipping. You could not, you could not try to be a smart ass with a question. You could not get caught snoozing at, you know, asking a, you know, a bad question. Cause he would bury you. He would bury you immediately. And it's just kind of like, yeah, Oh, you got me. That's, that's how that goes. Too funny. All right, Joe, we'll leave it there. We'll do more Sabres next week after hopefully Quinn breaks the lineup here. And we'll revert everybody to maintenance day and noted hockey for all things Sabre with Mr. Joe Yarden. Joe, awesome to be talking to you again. Happy new year. We'll be back here next week. We'll do this again. And you're the best buddy. Thanks for being my pillow. Yeah, thank you for being my blanket, Paulie. It's it's (laughs) nice and cozy these cold winter days. All right, brother, stay warm up there. We'll catch you next week. Thanks so much, man. Joe Yard, ladies and gentlemen, right here on THS. Woo! Good to be back. THS rolls out. Well, all right, it's it's time now to head back out to the great city of Chicago. Talking about getting back into town. Tab's got a story. We'll at least a book here down the road, another book here. But uh, we're back here at THS. Tab, what's going on? Good to see you, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Uh, excited that now at least we know, in theory, when the games are going to be played. Uh <laughs> Knock on wood, uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're just trying to not pick any fights with Chara this week. Oh man! Well, even if you do get into a fight with him, he will make sure you're okay. Pat <laughs> so. me on the head after whooping my ass. That'll exactly. Be oh man! So hey, buddy. Um, before we get rolling in here, uh, happy New Year. How are things going? What's going on with uh, you know, your stuff there? The the book signing, obviously the the great Blackhawks uh, Blackhawks uh, illustrated book you came out with and. You got committed Indians going on as well as uh, New York Elite Sports. So uh, anything new on those fronts or you want to let the fans know what's what's been happening with you? Hey, I, I think right now from a hockey perspective, uh, we are still Friday is two months from the trade deadline for the NHL. But the Chicago, look, Chicago's an interesting animal. And like you said, I had a book come out at the beginning of the season uh, about the Blackhawks and lots of events leading up to the whole Christmas holiday. Uh, everybody's spending money on their, uh, their given holidays. And uh, most of the conversation was what the hell's wrong with them. And it's kind of a, where do we begin conversation? So um, it, it, it feels like right now, even though the Hawks seem to be alternating win streaks and ugly losses, uh, most of the conversation in Chicago is around who's going to be here on the 22nd of March already. Wow. Uh, and I think that the Blackhawks are positioned to be very active, uh, losing games as they have in the last 
uh, 15 days or so, last couple of weeks in Arizona and Seattle, certainly, I think, give you the uh, ability to, to more focus on being a mover than a buyer, even with the four-game win streak in the middle there, which, go figure this one out. You, you, you give up six goals in Arizona, and then you go to Vegas two nights later and beat the Golden Knights two to one. Uh, it's just this team has shown the ability to beat good teams and lose to dog crap teams. They, they shut out Anaheim three, nothing on home ice. And then they go to Seattle and lose three, two in a shootout. And they played maybe 15 good minutes in that entire game against a, a Seattle team. That's really bad right now. Um, and then, you know, they get a, a game banged in Edmonton, which would have been the Duncan Keith, uh, uh, revenge tour, uh, in, in Edmonton. Uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll have to make that one up later, but I mean, this is a team that's going to sell and it's just a matter of who are they going to sell? Who's got the cap space to afford them? And what are the Hawks going to be able to get back with an interim GM? And I think that's where a lot of the conversation is steering in Chicago. And, and, and those past seven games that you're talking about there, you know, after the four wins in a row and then, um, I mean, you lost four in a row, sorry, there. And then, you know, you had three wins in there as well, too. And then, you know, obviously, the, losing the stinker to the Kraken as well. I mean, where are the Hawks, um, as far as their lineup, COVID protocols? Uh, I mean, the taxi squad really just went into effect. But during those during those stretch there, you know, wh- where were the Hawks as far as that? Have they basically been running a pretty solid lineup as opposed to some of the other teams have been affected a little more? No, they, I mean, they've, they've had their issues. Seth Jones was out with... COVID for a while. Jake McCabe missed some games with COVID protocol. Kirby Doc is still in COVID protocol going on a week. Um, Dylan Strom was in the COVID protocol for about a week. He just came out today. So, uh, you know, it's interesting in the, and earlier today, the Blackhawks called up uh, Kale Morris for their, former Notre Dame goaltender. Uh, so they've actually got, and they brought him straight to the active roster. They didn't even go uh, taxi squad with him, which is interesting that they're carrying three goalies, at least at the moment. Um, but when you look at the next seven games they've got between now and my birthday, uh, they've got a home and home Friday, Saturday with Minnesota, which stacks up as a, as a tough 24 hours or so yep. for the Blackhawks because Minnesota's playing really well. Then they're in Colorado. Ouch. You got a three game stretch at Minnesota, at Colorado, at Detroit. And then they come home for Colorado, a Vancouver team that, as we've talked about, flipped the switch after the coaching change. And then they got Minnesota again. So they've got their next seven games. They've got three with Minnesota and two with Colorado with Detroit and Vancouver sandwiched in there. So, And then the makeup game with Edmonton's on the 9th of February. So, you know, you, you look at this team and you don't see where the slide's necessarily going to stop. You watch how they play in Vegas. You're like, yeah, you know what? They can hang with a Minnesota. But then you watch how they played in Seattle, and you're like, oh, they're going to get their tails whipped. So um, they've had their COVID issues. They're starting to get most of the guys back now. Um, DeBrinket keeps scoring what feels like on a nightly basis. Patrick Kane had a long, like the longest goalless streak of his life. But he finally got over that recently. But he's been picking up assists almost on a nightly basis. So you got two guys that are basically sitting around a point per game, and then you've got a, nothing else really clicking offensively. 
And I think that's where the problem lies, is you've got a team that's going to scratch out two, maybe three goals a night. Uh, and defensively, if if they're not on, they can be taken advantage of. And this is a team that's really been playing about 30 to 35 good minutes of hockey a night. And you can't get away with that in the National Hockey League. And that's why when you look at these next seven, if the for sale sign isn't out right now, which I think they probably got the paper version out in the front yard, they'll have the big neon side and everything must go by the time we get to playing Duncan Keith and the Edmonton Oilers up at their place on the 9th of February because these next seven games look like a deal breaker. And you've got, you're going to have some national TV stuff in there. You know, the rivalry game with Detroit's on TNT. They've got one of them against Minnesota on TNT on the 2nd of February. So you're going to have a lot of eyeballs on what the Hawks are going to do. And they've got some guys that have intriguing contracts that are relatively affordable that could help some teams that feel like they could go for it. You know, you look at teams like the Rangers, and a lot of people are tying Flurry to the Avalanche because it looks like they're an elite goalie from really being a juggernaut if they're not already. Um which is crazy with Colorado because they let, everybody thought that they were nuts for giving McCarr the bag and then letting Grubauer walk out the back door. And Grubauer has been very pedestrian, if not mediocre for mm-hmm. Seattle this year. Um, so it, you know, it looks like, you know, that was a, a divorce that didn't work for either team really, but the Hawks have got some pieces that could help some people. And I think that there's going to be a lot of phone calls happening to 1901 West Madison in the coming weeks. So right there, Tab, let's let's just do this, have a little fun here. All right, so you see what happens in Montreal. Gorton comes in there, and they just gave uh, Kent Hughes the job there, so they got the GM position filled in. You take, uh, you know, another original six team here, like Chicago, everything that's gone through, uh, you know, the, the, the unfortunate scandal here and all that other stuff. King takes over. You've got these guys like Taze and Kane here, and, and the changes in the young guys coming in and Flurry and all this stuff. So there's a lot, lot, lot going into this Chicago season this year. So they don't have, they have this in- interior, um, interior, not an interior decorator. <laughs> I mean, they might as well at this point. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, he might have to do some of that too, whatever. But anyway, throw on the GM hat for us. The trading deadline is March 21st. Let's be honest with it, with us here. They're not making the playoffs. I just don't no. see it happening. So what would GM Bamford do here within, you know, the parameters of their, you know, the, um, you know, the, the makeup of the team, who they can get rid of, what you want to get back, um, and the money, in terms of that. So just just have a little fun here. And what would you do? Well, the elephant in the room is Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, you know, when we started this year, we talked about the fact that the big trade went down. The Blackhawks got him from Vegas for literally nothing. They sent a minor league prospect to a subsequently waived by the Golden Knights. Um, he's 37 years old. He's in the final year of a contract that's got a $7 million cap hit. So if, if you're looking at a March 21 deadline, the team that picks Flurry up is going to have not a huge but a significant enough cap impact that there's a possibility that the Hawks are going to need to eat some money if they move him. Um, but I And then the biggest question is whether or not Flurry actually wants to go. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's loved his time in Chicago by all estimations here. The Hawks have been great to him, except for the whole gong show in front of him on the ice. Um, but the Blackhawks, Kevin Lankinen's the backup, and he's a UFA after this year too. 
So the Blackhawks right now don't really have, you know, a, a, a seasoned veteran goaltender on the roster after this season. Arvid Soderblom is the only goaltender in the organization with a deal that is currently signed with anything after this season on the books. And he made his NHL debut earlier this year and looked looked okay. The Blackhawks have invested a ton of capital in their blue line, both financially in recent months and years via trade. You look at the extension that they gave Seth Jones, paying him to be a number one. They got McCabe at, at $4 million for a few years. Connor Murphy's going to be around for four more years. Riley Stillman's got two more. So, and then they've got the, you know, we've talked about this, the stockpile of draft capital that they put into the blue line and bringing in young prospects on the blue line. So they're, they're overwhelmed with bodies on the blue line. And a lot of people talked about Calvin DeHaan leaving. He's a UFA after this year. He's 30 years old. He's playing top four minutes for Chicago. He's still a very good, viable defenseman. Um, but Caleb Jones, Seth's brother, is an RFA. And so I think with him being 24 years old, the question is, does he hang around or, or is he a guy that you know they've got to think about because of all the young bodies that they've got? Because they've got a lot of guys that they need to figure out how they're going to make the money work around them with the knowledge that they have one goalie with like two or three games of NHL experience on his resume signed through this year. Dylan Strom's an RFA. Kirby Doc is an RFA. And I'll be honest, Kirby Doc has been a disappointment this year. Uh, Dominic Kubalik's an RFA after this year. Uh, I think anything that's not nailed down needs to go. And I would start looking at where guys could fit sooner than later. And I would be looking for uh, either future draft options or more likely I'd be looking for young forward prospects that you think have the opportunity to make a difference in the NHL because the cupboard is pretty bare in Chicago. Are Taze and Kane uh, Lucas, in this conversation right now, Tab, this year to get moved? No. During, no. during this season, no. They both got full no moves. Okay. Frank Cervelli was on the radio up in Canada today, and actually, somewhat surprisingly, he said the only three guys that are completely untouchable off the table are Kane, Taves, and Seth Jones, which Blackhawks Twitter lost its collective stuff because the assumption would be that a 24-year-old Alex DeBrinkett, who has established himself as a bona fide scorer in the National Hockey League, would be untouchable. And this is a kid that's got two years on his contract, one more after this at 6.4, and then he's probably sitting at that 9 to 10-plus million dollar range based on what he's done. So a lot of Blackhawks Twitter lost its crap because they thought DeBrinkett should have been in that list of untouchables. But what you need to remember as sports fans is being completely off the table, don't even I won't even pick up the phone, is different than if you want him, I'm going to need a king's ransom. You know, And I don't even look at the Gretzky trade in, in hockey as being a king's ransom. I look at the Herschel Walker deal mm -hmm. that the Dallas Cowboys made with the Minnesota Vikings that ultimately led to the Cowboys, air quotes, dynasty of the 90s because of the lottery of draft picks that they got in that deal. So I, I don't think DeBrinckit goes anywhere. I think he's going to get a massive deal because, look, you got one more year after this of 19 and 88 on the books. And so if they need to give DeBrinckit a raise, you've got 21 million coming off the books with Kane and Taves mm -hmm. that they're going to, the Blackhawks are going to need to make another decision on after this year. And so my 
assumption is that Debrinket's going to get paid and that he's going to be the guy that they build around in Chicago. Lucas Reichel came up and looked good, but they're not going to push him too much. So, uh, so he's back in Rockford. They've got a development plan with him, number one pick last year. I think he's got the goods to be a, a, a top-line center. The question becomes, what is Kirby Doc? He's winning under 40% of his face-offs this year, which to me, with a body that size, says, okay, we, we've got enough of a sample size with Kirby Doc winning 35% of his face-offs in his career now then maybe it's time to look at him and, and develop him as a, as a power forward on the wing and put him on a line. Frankly, I was kind of pissed that, you know, when Reichel made it into the lineup, Doc was on the COVID list because I want to see Kirby Doc playing a wing with the Brinkett and Reichel because if you're a team that's in tank mode looking at the future, that should theoretically be your top line at some point in a year or two. Um but we didn't have that opportunity because Doc uh, got hit with the COVID. So, um, but if I'm GM, you know, I'm, I'd look at Dominic Kubalik was a finalist for the Calder a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, 20 plus goals at even strength. He's playing really a kind of a, a middle six role for the Hawks right now. 3.7 cap hit, 26 years old. I think there's a lot of life left in him. Can play either wing. I'd call, I'd call the New York Rangers right now and say. We got a guy who's got, you know, the we've seen the ability to score 30 goals. He's a threat on the power play. The Rangers are in a position right now that if they can add some offense and get above the middle of the heap offensively, they could do some legitimate damage. They've got bona fide goaltending. They've got the best defenseman on the planet in Adam Fox. And with all due respect to Kale McCarr and Victor Hedman, if I'm starting a team right now and I need a defenseman, Adam Fox is the guy that I'm circling the wagons with. Um, and I know that that probably warms your Rangers fan heart, but sure Adam Fox is the guy. He's an alpha. I mean, he, he reminds me of Duncan Keith, at, but not at that age. He reminds me of a 26-year-old Duncan Keith, and he's a, a, he's so far ahead of the curve on what Keith and Seabrook were when they got to Chicago. He's I mean, he's a point-per-game guy, and but they need to add some offense up front. So I'd, I'd be calling the Rangers about Dominic Kubelik yesterday. They've already got a Strom. If they want another one, God bless. Two for one. And and see what they can do. They've got a little bit of wiggle room with the cap, which is nice. Uh, the Hawks right now are using some LTIR because Tyler the Tyler Johnson experiment didn't work. He's been out most of the year. He's got two left at five per after this. And that's just, we'll see what, what's left in him when he comes back. Andrew Shaw's on LTIR this whole year at 3.9. You know, it's interesting to see if, Andrew Shaw's LTIR is something that comes into play if a deal with someone like Flurry were to be able to trend, you know, become something legit with a team like the Avalanche. Um, but you're going to have teams that need bodies on the blue line. Tampa played with four the other night. I don't know that a guy like Calvin DeHaan, somebody that fits in down there because of the finances and with them, you know, hovering right at the cap and playing over the top of it. Um, but I think DeHaan could go. I think the Hawks were a little surprised that DeHaan didn't end up in Seattle. I think he and Giordano would have been a really nice pair uh, up top there. But then you got guys like Ryan Carpenter, good penalty-killing forward who can take some face-offs for you. He's a UFA 1 million. You need some help up front with more of a, a defensive grind. I think he's a guy that has value. Um, but they've just, they've just got a lot of 
it's a it's a it's like they took four jigsaw puzzles and threw them all under the table together and you got to figure out what goes with what and up front right now the reason the blackhawks keep hovering around the bottom of the league is because the offense just has not clicked and they've got like i said about 75 defensemen signed and they've got a lot of value there but that's where you start looking at some of the veterans and i think you look at seth jones staying I don't know if they if they even entertain the idea of moving Jake McCabe, who's got three more at four. Connor Murphy, I think, stays. He's be, really developed into a top-line defenseman at this point, and he's got a very modest 4.4 for four years after this on a new extension, and he's wearing an A here now, so I don't think he goes anywhere. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think anything and everything must go, but they've got some ugly money on the books. Brett Conley at three-and-a-half is, is nothing to me. He's a non-factor. Juju Kara, really nice penalty killer, physical guy. He's gotten tanked a couple times. Truba knocked him in the next week once. Uh, he's got a history of concussion problems. Um, but he's a nice player that, if you're again, if you're looking for something physical in that bottom six, he's a guy that I wouldn't be a, attached to. So uh, I think that there's a lot of value in Chicago for teams that are looking to add a Dylan Strom, a Dominic Kubelik, a Calvin DeHaan. And again, the elephant in the room, Mark andre Fleury. The question is, how long do the Blackhawks wait to start selling? Uh, and I think after these next seven games, if they're in a position that they're near the bottom of the league, which, you know, these random four-game win streaks that keep cropping up keep them from doing, then you've know, you got to start looking at moving guys sooner than later. And I, I think that if you're a team that wants to develop some chemistry like the Rangers uh, up front and figure out who's going to fit with who, that's where you start looking to pull the trigger a little bit quicker. Um, but I, I do think that there are enough teams in that middle road um, that you're going to have really interesting trade conversations. And I, the reason that I look at moving guys sooner than later is I think you've got some teams that are in, in the muck right now, like Edmonton, who are like a, a daily press conference tragedy playing out in front of our eyes as it is, fighting it's, with the uh, media through Zoom. It's hockey Shakespeare, baby. I love it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so beautiful. You love to see it. Like, hey, guys, we've got a massively top-heavy roster and oh, didn't think about having any depth whatsoever when we gave the bag to Dreisaitl and McDavid, and now we're paying Nurse and Duncan Keith, and Chicago somehow didn't retain money on Duncan Keith's deal. So we're just going to see what happens with half of our salary cap going to four guys. Um. But no, I, I think if you're the Blackhawks, sooner than later might be when you start looking to pull the trigger because teams are going to look at adding guys that they want to fit in. And with the NHL's rescheduling coming out yesterday and the plan to get the season done by the end of April, you're really only going to have a month to cram in some games and figure out chemistry. And if I'm a team like the Rangers or one of the other teams that really has some like fringe, legit cup aspirations... Uh, I would be looking at moving something sooner than March 21st. And I think the Blackhawks are in a position to do that. Problem for the Blackhawks and, and their fans is the first round pick that they sent to Columbus with Adam Boquist for Seth Jones is only top two protected. So if the Hawks don't have some kind of a lottery miracle happen, they're not picking in the first round. Um, they've got plenty of other picks. They've got their own second rounder. They've got three in the third. Uh, so, you know, I don't think the Hawks are anything that they're going to do is going to bring back a one. I don't think they're going to get a one for Flurry. Um, but I would be targeting forward prospects because the way that you've spent your money, we've talked about this all year, Paul, 
You've spent money on guys with multi-year obligations like McCabe and Murphy and Seth Jones, especially on the back end. And when you're looking at building around a guy like Debrinket up front, you've spent money to be relevant sooner than later. And so unless you're going to really burn this thing to the ground, uh, which is going to be really hard with guys like McCabe and Murphy signed for what they've got and the value that they bring, it's going to be really freaking hard to see this team not finding a way to tinker, but they need to add forward depth soon. And that's why I'd be looking at teams that are looking to move younger forwards that they don't have room for. Um, you know, I think a guy that really fascinates me and a guy that's going to be worth watching who's an RFA at the end of this year is Capo Caco at the Rangers. Who I think in, in a lot of regards, like Kirby Dock has been underwhelming too much of the time that he's been there. If you're the Rangers and you've got big time money coming down the, the pipe, especially with Fox's extension kicking in, is, is Kako a guy that you entertain the idea of moving? And what would the Hawks need to do to bring in a guy like Kako? I'm not saying Capo Kako for Dominic Kubalik, lock it down, but that's the kind of guy that the Hawks should be trying to get. Is they should be looking for a young NHL ready, at least middle six, if not top six, contributing forwards to really amplify what they've got because they've got nice pieces. Brandon Hagel's a really nice player. I love his game. He, he's another Andrew Shaw, but he's got more offense in there. And he's got two more at one and a half, and that's a very modest deal. But you got to do something to score the puck in this league, and the Blackhawks can't do it. And, and so I, that's where I would be focusing. I'd be looking at forward prospects more than picks. And I would sell anything and everything that is not nailed down after the end of this season, including RFAs. And if somebody wants to make you a ridiculous offer for Kirby Doc at this point, I would listen to it. I still think there's superstar potential there. But as a center, I don't think it's happening. And the Hawk, maybe the Hawks benefit from him being modest uh, too much of his time and, and a bridge deal is going to be more affordable for the next two to three years. But uh, I, I think anybody that's not signed after this year, and even a few guys that are signed after this year, God help us, if somebody wants Brett Conley, I'll pack his bags. Um, but anything that's not nailed down, I think everything must go. It's a, it's a smoke em if you got him fire sale at the, uh, at the United Center. Yeah, um, it's fascinating. I mean, uh, I don't know, Tab, I think you got another book in the works here. I mean, the, uh, you know, with Kane and Taze here, uh, the run, uh, obviously everything that happened with um, – you know, the scandal and, and the, you know, the last two years of COVID too, and, you know, losing taste for a year, um, you know, the fire sale that's eventually coming up here. And I think the other thing too, with the Hawks, I mean, not having a GM there, all the changes, what happens with Derek King here. And I think with the pieces that they have too, as far as other teams also wanting to get rid of pieces too and everything else, they've got a lot of competition here also at the bottom of the league too. You know, what do the Islanders do? What a, what is Claude Giroux going to get let go? Philly's having a horrible season. They've got to make some moves here, too. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Montreal, I mean, there's there's a lot of other teams out there that, you know, the top teams that are looking for key pieces, um, you know, they've got a, a pick of the litter here uh, beyond the Chicago Blackhawks. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Blackhawks end up here this year, what they move, what they don't move, and then obviously next year, too. And this is all compounded by the, the hopes – that the league too, and and just all of us here worldwide now in the country gets you back on a, on a normal track here. I mean, uh, I think um, you know there's something we have to kind of take into consideration here. 
and I'm sure it's pretty obvious for everybody, and I don't want to get off on a COVID tan ramp here, but it's really impacted the last two, three years of this league. And we're just I know it's affected all sports and all life him. But when you when we're talking hockey here and you take a team like the Hawks and you get so many other teams and, and all the different changes and everything they're playing through too, I think everybody's gotta step back and say, it's just not it's not like old times, and it's not an easy road to navigate through. And the inconsistency of having full rosters and running regular systems and then coaching changes and management stuff. And, and Chicago, a lot of this was, you know, uh, their, their situation incredibly unique. Um, it's just something else to put in here. But I think uh, just getting back to, like I said, you talking about a fire sale and everything else, they might have a lot of competition in terms of trying to move their pieces when it comes to the top teams looking for uh, – key components to help with the oh, runs. I, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, but at the same time, I think I look at if you're, if you're going for it and you need a defenseman that can give you 20 minutes a night, you know, do you want Rasmus Ristolainen or Calvin DeHaan? I'm probably going to Han, mm-hmm. especially for the money and the player. Uh, I'm going to Han. Um, but you're right. I think the, 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 the but, but here's the other fun thing. Uh, and then I want to jump on that, that COVID grenade that you just threw, because I think that's huge. Um, when you look at the, you know, when teams should sell and you bring up the Islanders, what's going to be really, really interesting is there are teams that are massively underwhelming this year. I think the Islanders and the Oilers are the two that I'm staring at most specifically. You know, the Oilers bring in Duncan Keith and they're talking this big game about, uh, you know, leadership is going to change the, the complexion of the organization, blah, blah, blah. And it hasn't really worked. Obviously, Dreisaitl and, and McDavid are going nowhere. Like, how desperate does Edmonton get? Like, are they cash-strapped enough and feel like they need to remix the formula enough that a guy like Nugent Hopkins somehow becomes available? Uh, you look at the Islanders and... Again, that was a team that that had legit back-to-back conference final appearance, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, But we knew that they were going to be offensively limited coming into this season. And defensively, they've had their struggles this year, and that's why they are where they are. But if you're the Islanders, do you chalk up this year as as a COVID outlier and think that you've still got a mix and look at augmenting it and free agency and just take the take the L this year, yeah. Or do you or or do you look at shaking that thing up pretty hard because you know that bottom line has been so good for so long, but they're paying those guys now. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how many of the bottom teams sell and how many of them just view this year as as a COVID disruption to the plan and stay the course and understand the process. And I'll be interested. In, uh, the Islanders are fascinating. I think Edmonton, again, just a, a complete comedy of errors on a nightly basis, whether it's a post-practice presser or on the ice. It, it's just it's, it's funny to watch. And, a very and, and it's a trip, way. too, Tab, too, because you got Tippett behind the bench there. You know, it's, it's amazing how some of the coaches, I mean, to me, it's, it's just it's been a quiet part of the whole thing it's it's all been on the players which ultimately those are the guys who have to produce on the ice but you know a guy of his um history and all the big names he's coached over the years and stuff 
I don't know if he's getting a free pass on this, but I certainly don't see the rip-up of him like other coaches get. No, and, and you're right. And I think, you know, this is a guy who, who like you said, he, he's had some peaks and valleys on the resume. But um, but I think when you when you think about this, yeah, you know what, Quinville had a decade with 19 and 88 in Chicago. But how many coaches have had, how many t- different coaches has Sid had in Pittsburgh? And they've turned over a couple times. Yeah. And I, I think what we have to remember here is it's hard. It is really hard to coach with expectations and, and to, to build a game plan around generational talent. And no, McDavid and Dreisaitl are getting theirs on a nightly basis, but the W's haven't followed at all. But you them. brought up a great point, though. I mean, they they don't. Ha- I think that's a hockey operations thing. That's a scouting thing. That's a that's a franchise thing that they haven't been able to. You know, they had all those number one picks year after year after year after year. They haven't been able to manage a decent team. To they should be. Did deep. you say Niall Yakupov? <laughs> yes. What? What was that? Oh, my God, that name. Holy St. Louis, cow. Louis legend, Neil Yakupov. Uh, Panger would say, holy jumping. But, oh, I mean, they, there's a massive, massive failure on this organization as a whole with uh, all the talent. But, I mean, you know, all the other teams, you talk about the turnovers in Pittsburgh. I mean, but look at Rutherford's come in there. Oh, they, they've made, they've, they've found a way to find those other pieces of the puzzle. And, uh, you know, you can look at Tampa Bay. You can look at the teams who've gotten to the final four or the final, you know, six, eight or whatever every year. I mean, um, you know, even the Predators, the Caps. I mean, they found other players, these names to step up in between your top guns. And hopefully you have that great goaltender in the pipes there and that one or two, you know, stud defensemen and everything else. I mean, that's the game. You take the Boston Bruins, man. You know, there's there's key guys that they had here that made that team. Look what those guys are still doing to this day at the age. You know, guys like March in there, Bergeron and everything else. Multiple, I mean, multiple goaltenders. They're still getting there because I think as an organization, the Boston Bruins have just gone out there and they've got good heart, smart hockey people to, to keep the engine going. Edmonton has been a nightmare for years, pal. They, That's a Edmonton mess. Has re- Edmonton has refused to draft and develop on the blue line consistently for decades. And that is what has ultimately bit them in the ass. They are, they have the two most, I think it's safe to say the two most dynamic non Alexander Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, offensive weapons in the national hockey league. And they're losing games five, four every night. And you go back and you look at, at, what they were able to do with those great teams in the 80s. And, yeah, there were a lot of 5-4 scores. But when you needed the big save, Grant Fuhrer was there. Andy Moog was there. And the, and the great one still pissed that Fuhrer is not, doesn't have a bust up in Toronto. And you, you look at the guys that they had on the blue line, and they were, they were good. 
the the game was different in the 80s. We'll just own that. Like last de- decent happened, I but. mean, you got Pronger, whose number got, uh, you know, lifted into the Raptors in St. Louis. I mean, what was that, 2006 when they lost to the Canes, right? Yeah. That's the last run, right? And you're talking about guys like, you know, McTavish and Kevin Lowe. I mean, these are the guys from the, the, the superstar teams of the 80s, uh, you know, managing the front office here, and they just can't get it done. Yeah. Which, again, you, you wonder with how top-heavy they are financially, how dramatic they feel change needs to be. And I look at Nugent Hopkins because he's, he's the big chip that is making good money um, that would bring back a pretty good return, I would guess, um, that would be a name that I think people would start lining up around the block for because, look, Giroux's older, you know. I watched Claude Giroux play against the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup final in 2010. He's, he's been around the block. His age starts with a three. And that that's the issue when you're looking at moving a guy like Claude Giroux. Uh, just like Taves and Kane, this is a guy that the fan base has, has built their lives around, and he sells jerseys, and he's a fan favorite. It, it's you know dang near impossible to move a guy like that, even though it looks like they might – be open to it, and they might need to have that conversation about the no-move clause with, with Giroux at some point here, but you know, it, you look at Philly again, like the way that they spend Giroux's money. Giroux's got to, well, he wants to jump off that burning ship, man. you got to think he wants out. You, you, you have to think that, but the way that they overhauled their roster in the offseason, like the Blackhawks, they were a team that was like, okay, they're interesting now. And Ryan Ellis has missed most of this season. He was supposed to save that blue line. Carter Hart keeps underwhelming. Um, but again, this is one of those things where you look at like the Oilers and Flyers and you think like how much do they need to change the chemistry and the overall makeup for this thing to finally work? Uh, and that's what's interesting. And the other thing, you know, before we start talking for like three hours here, but jumping on that, that COVID grenade, I think one of the things that you have to keep in mind, and I brought up Capo Caco and how he's been fairly underwhelming for the Rangers, they already traded Buchnevich to St. Louis. Um, I've, I talked about Kirby Doc having a very pedestrian pedestrian three years in the league. I mean, the Hawks signed him to his ELC and burned the first year before COVID hit. When they came back from COVID, he looked like the Ryan Getzloff comp that they were given at the draft. In the bubble, he was dominant. And then he breaks his wrist warming up for the World Juniors and misses most of last year. And then this year with, you know, COVID trip and everything else, it's been disappointing. But I I think when you've got leagues, and and respectfully, I think the NFL and the NBA are immune from this, but with baseball and, and hockey, because there's still a development process that takes place after the draft. There's the last three years have really, really impacted the development of young players. I mean, you talk about juniors getting shut down for a year. You talk about the AHL being hit or miss. Uh, You talk about guys being on, you know, bouncing from taxi squad to the AHL, stuff like that. Regularity has been hard. And then when you add injuries and individual COVID stints and stuff like that on top of it, you know, it's been really hard to have any kind of lineup consistency at all for some of these young players. 
And so I think you've got a really fascinating RFA class that's coming up Absolutely. with guys like Doc and Kako that are going to be really hard decisions for organizations to make, especially when you look at the cap, probably not really going up significantly for two more years because of the, the COVID issues and the amount of money that the players borrowed from the owners to get through the 2020 calendar year. You've got some teams that are going to be in a bind. And so that's where you're going to have some really tough decisions on RFAs this summer. It'll be interesting to see how many teams decide to move on from RFAs because they don't see the possibility or likelihood of re-signing them. That's the reason I bring up Capo Caco's name because of the amount of money that the Rangers have already on the books for next year and beyond. Uh, even a bridge deal is going to be tough for him, especially if Lafreniere is going to get paid at some point as a former number one overall pick. Um, so it's going to be, I think, our, the, you look at that RFA class that's coming this summer, and it's going to be fascinating to see how many of those guys are starting to find new homes with teams that might be in a position to financially make it worth their while. Um, but it, it's really hard to take the last three years in a vacuum and judge a player's long-term potential for a yeah. guy like Kako or Doc mm-hmm. based on those three years because they've really been shattered. There's been no normalcy, and I think Doc with the wrist injury last year, obviously wrists are so important in hockey, especially as a centerman. Um, But you look at the way that COVID has interrupted the long-term development of some of these guys, and you're going to see some of those draft classes not start really, the 18, 19, 20 draft classes really not, I think, start hitting until the 23, 24 season. You got. You need to get 82 games of normalcy, and even this year has been far from normal. And that's why I say I'm fascinated to see what the Islanders do because with the amount of games that they had banged and starting the year with a 13-game road streak, um, not a normal year for the Isle in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so I'll be interested to see if they feel like they need a, some type of a chemistry move or if they just play this off, wear the L, and come back stronger next year. But it's going to be very interesting to see who gets moved, which surprising moves hit us, uh, and where guys end up and which teams feel like they're in a position to jump for it earlier than later. Because you're right, the, the list of guys that could make an impact is going to be long, but the teams that are looking to add those pieces you know, might not have the cap space to make it happen. And a lot um, of those teams too, Tab, are actually doing pretty good on their own right now. I think if you lock them down as they were right now. And if you, you look at the top teams in the league here as far as, you know, where they stand and, you know, um, you know Tampa's, you know, they got a great lineup. Uh, the Panthers are just playing fantastic with everything they got, you know, Bogrovsky and, and Nets and stuff. Rangers got a damn good lineup. Colorado, great lineup. The Canes, great lineup. Caps, too. Leafs, Pens, Blues, Preds. You know, and you, you round that up at the top 16 there with the Knights in the Wild. I mean, those are all pretty damn good teams. Behind that are the Bruins, who are always going to kind of, they'll be in the mix somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, depending on, obviously, we're going to have some unforeseen injuries. You're going to have some, you know, losing streaks here. You, you're going to see some, uh, you, you know, before we get to March 21st in the trade deadline. But I think a lot of those teams, the top favorite teams in the league right now, you might be able to say, if they didn't make any moves at all, they got a pretty damn good roster going into the dance. Well, and that's the big thing, injuries. Uh, and you look at Colorado, and I think that their need to go get a goaltender is being amplified by the unknown future Bowen Byram. Mm-hmm. You know, he, 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 he put himself on a personal pause here. He's dealing with some concussion stuff. I mean, that's a big hit to their blue line. 
uh, immediately now and, and when you start considering the long-term ramifications of concussion problems, uh, you know, Bo Byram is a special talent. And when you've got him and McCarr that you're building around, that's a scary proposition for anyone. But I think that's why renting a goalie and going for it this year makes more sense for Colorado than shaking anything up dramatically. But, I mean, man, you've, you've got some teams. I don't see any scenario in the free world that the Rangers would be able to get Claude Giroux. Just, I don't rivalry move. I don't think that the Flyers are ever going to do the Blue Shirts a favor and help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are some teams that, like, if you're the New York Rangers right now and you're sitting in that upper tier and having legit conversations about potentially winning a division and really going for it, you know, I think the more games you can play at Madison Square Garden, the better. And that's where I think the sooner than later button for teams that know that they're ready to sell, like the Blackhawks, and teams that are going to want to, that know that they've got the goods and think that they can make something really special happen, like the Rangers match up to have conversations before Valentine's Day. Because you're going to see some teams that know, especially with the way that the schedule was just rewritten and the way that it's going to get really, really clouded when you get into March and April here. Got a lot of games coming. If you're the Rangers and you really want to push, I think you got to make a deal sooner than later. And what that deal ultimately materializes as is going to be really interesting to watch because I think if they can get themselves to three and a half, three and three quarter goals a game, they can add maybe a point a night. That, that's a team that could win a Stanley Cup right now. Um, but I think that they need to add, you know, Somebody in that, and that's why I think Kubalik to the Rangers makes sense. They need to add somebody that's got like 20 goal potential mm-hmm. to their middle six. Mm-hmm. who can grind a little bit and help them on special teams and take some pressure off the kids. Um, but it, I, I think the trade, the significant trade wins are going to start blowing a lot sooner than a lot of people think. Because with the volume of games that are coming down the stretch, uh, I think that you're going to see teams that are really going to start fighting for position and want to have as many home games as they can in the playoffs because of the COVID protocols and the things that everybody's dealing with right now. No doubt about it. Tab, so much stuff um, to get into. We covered a lot today, and there's so much more to to do. I wish we could do THAs every day. Um, but last thing before I let you go, uh, I would like to get your thoughts on a great moment there in Boston the other night with uh, Willie O'Ree, uh, his number getting um, raised to the rafters and, and retired there. Just a uh, quick uh, thoughts uh, from you on, on, on that uh, really nice uh, – Moment there for Willie and his family uh, and for the city of Boston. Yeah, rhetorical question. What the hell took so long? Exactly. Well, we um, always say that on our baseball show. You guys want to yeah. check out Line Drive Radio, Roberto Clemente, and all that other stuff. So. Yeah, but, you know, this is a thing where, um, especially with a lot of the conversation in the game of hockey being around, the issues that the game has top to bottom, every level, with race um, and trying to grow the game. The fact that it took that long is an absolute damn shame. Uh, And it was a nice moment, uh, again, long overdue. But I do look at that being in the rafters, and I think that there's room for the NHL to really think long and hard about not necessarily taking 22 out of circulation the way that Major League Baseball did with Jackie Robinson's 42 and showed with Clemente's 21. 
Um, but 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 I think you know you've got some you've got some Ring of Honor type stuff going on. Uh, I would like to see the NHL take another step with Willie O'Ree's legacy and look at somehow symbolically recognizing him in every rink in the league. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a you know Nashville's got banners for you know selling their 500th plate of nachos, but. Um, but in some way recognizing, uh, the significance of what Willie O'Ree means to the game. Uh, I'd like to see the NHL do something bold, uh, and recognize him league wide, uh, because he, he's a, a trailblazer. He means a lot to the game. He was a great player. And I think that it took way too long for Boston to do it. But now that Boston's done it, I'd like to see some other teams follow suit. Uh, and, I'm not saying that like the Miami Heat retired 23 because of Michael Jordan because he whooped their ass so many times, but like sincerely, I'd like to see the league recognize Willie O'Ree more permanently, uh, and I think that there are some things that they could do very easily to to accomplish that. But uh, but it was well overdue, and I think Boston did a nice job with the ceremony. But you see guys like Sean Thornton weighing in on social media guys that have spent a lot of time in Boston know what the significance of Willie O'Ree was on and off the ice Mm -hmm. to generations of players. Uh, And I think that the league needs to step up and do something more for that because he deserves it. You're here, man. And the the game would benefit from it because we've talked about this. The more great athletes you have playing your game, the better the game is. And hockey needs to be more inclusive. They need to open more doors and they need to get more – people on skates on ice and i think that they've failed in many regards to do that and part of that's because there's such an emphasis especially with central scouting on europe and scandinavia that you are more focused on the global game than what you could and should be doing in the united states and canada because the grassroots in many regards aren't struggling at least from a large data set perspective but the game has a lot to go, and I'd like to see more uh, more communities open to the game of hockey. We love it. My kids love it. Uh, anyone who goes to a game in person generally comes away blown away by the athleticism of these guys on the ice. But there are a lot of communities that are massively underserved by the game of hockey, and we need to do more to make this game bigger and better. Uh, and I think that one of the things the league could do to start moving that conversation forward would be to do something league-wide at a corporate level to honor Willie O'Ree permanently. Good stuff, man. I agree with you, and uh, hopefully that's what we will see in the days ahead and the years ahead here in the NHL. Tab, great to have you back. Great to be talking puck again. Happy New Year. Great stuff. This is a great time of the season to be coming back. Hopefully all these games just keep going forward. The league stays healthy. Everybody else stays healthy. And we have a great run here towards the uh, All-Star game, the trading deadline, and obviously the playoffs and the dance for the big shiny silver trophy. Tab, thanks so much, brother. Have a great week. Beautiful. You too. We'll talk soon. All right. Tab in, ladies and gentlemen. Right here on THS. All right. That's a wrap on our first show back from 2022. Man. A podcast with a podcast here. We love talking hockey here. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. We really uh, 
We really love the game here. And we love you guys, too, for supporting us. And we can't thank you guys enough. Some good stuff there. So, as always, we'll thank Joey, Tab, Steve-O. And we're always thinking about Costin. Looking forward to his return here as well back on THS. So, until next week, again, thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend, subscribe, and so on and so on. Follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show. And until next week, keep your head up and enjoy the games. Take care, everybody. THS is out. <laughs>